The Jones Report with Fox 4 Kansas City anchor John Holt is coming up in just a few moments. As a reminder, be sure to subscribe to The Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at No Coast Lids, a hat brand based out of Lawrence, Kansas, a company that embraces Midwestern values such as hard work, having fun, and treating everyone the right way. Their signature hats include the Kansas Sunrise, the Kansas Thunderstorm, the No Coast Freedom, and many more. Each hat is specifically represented with wheat, windmills, buffalo, and storm clouds, which showcase the heart of Kansas. The four colors found in all designs display the four seasons we have. Green for spring, blue for summer, red for fall, and white for winter. Kansas Sunrise hoodies are also coming soon. All products can be found with pictures and pricing on No Coast Lids Facebook page in the shops section. Hat styles available include truckers, fitted beanies, and visors. Visit No Coast Lids on Facebook. Tell them that Tyler Jones sent you, and you'll be glad you did. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by John Holt of Fox 4 in Kansas City as we'll get Johnny Ray's thoughts on what was of the debate from earlier this week or the debacle, whatever you want to call it. Also going to talk some Chiefs and some KU and some other things when uh, John Holt joins us coming up later on in the program. You will not want to miss out on that. Always great catching up with John Holt. He's a KU grad, also an alum of KLWN. And uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm looking into my future when I see John Holt. Uh, very good friend and glad that uh, – we, we resemble a lot in each other. Uh, I think he said that he sees uh, his younger self every time he sees me. So that's a nice compliment. I'll take that, certainly. So looking forward to talking to John coming up later on in the program. We'll also have our pigskin pick'em picks against the spread coming up. Tom Fullery as well. And uh, Thomas Bridges is here with me. Tom, we had a nice weekend. I saw a lot of you at uh, the River Spirit Casino, and that was memorable. What kind of happens at the River Spirit stays at the River Spirit. And you barely made it on time to golf on Sunday. And we had a lot of help on the golf course, thanks to Ronnie Williams and Melvin Gillum. They made us look a lot better than we ever should have been uh, with that performance of that 61 we scored. I don't think we contributed a whole lot, but uh, definitely thankful for them uh, for playing as well as they did, and we did it for a good cause. Yeah, we did do it for a good cause, and and Jones, you know what? I you know, I'm usually the one to say that we didn't contribute just as much, but uh, you know, I will say I, we had our bright spots. We did have our bright moments, um, and and you know they did contribute. I would say more so on the drives. I felt like. To be honest, and you can you can attribute to this or you can add to this, uh, but I did feel like, regardless of what happened, and and um, I, I kind of counted it up and I heard from some other people. I felt like out of there were probably about oh twenty eight teams, um, Jones. We actually finished um, eighth. We finished eighth, top ten, um, and and, and we're. Hi, there you go. Um, I mean, obviously we didn't win anything, but 
um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we had our moments. I, you know, I, I felt like our short game was a lot better than our long game. Yes. I did feel like we contributed just enough, um, you, you know, to what it was. I, I, I'm, I am proud of our effort. I, you know, regardless, we knew Melvin and Ronnie, they, I mean, you don't play in this tournament or come from Wichita Falls to, to shit the bed in this tournament. I mean, I mean, they had, they, they put us further than maybe me and you could have went, but, I, I don't think we just were along for the ride. I do think we contributed a little bit. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm high on us. May you know maybe I'm a little too high uh, on what we did. But I, I felt like you had some solid putts. I had a couple solid drives. I, I felt like we had a couple solid second shots. Uh, I mean, we weren't the best out there, but I I, I think we had, well, Jones. I think we had. Uh, enough to keep us competitive. I right. mean, I don't think we were bad. I mean, there was a team that literally had a professional golfer on it. And we they came... Did. They got second. Yeah, we, we came within, what, six shots of them? I mean, so I'll take that. We did. I will gladly accept our performance. And, you know, I had, I had some big putts. I had some nice chip-ins as well. My drives, I was getting them for distance, but I had a couple of them that were a little bit off as far as they were to the right or maybe to the left a little bit. But nonetheless, great time, and uh, glad to help out Logan Cochran. Uh, this kid, he's, he's had like a heart condition and uh, some major medical bills and expenses, and uh, we did what we could to raise a little bit of money and make sure that uh, he was taken care of and uh, got to uh, meet up with uh, our friend Je- Janet Moreland and uh, I had her barbecue sauce for the first time. I think it's called Brother Oogs. Uh, it was a uh, it, it was Oogie Brother, time. Yep. It, it was it was good. Uh, it, it was it was Ooglicious. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and and for those, you know, she had had that, and, and actually, I, I wouldn't say sold it, but. Um, had a company and actually Tahlequah manufacturer and well, it got too expensive. And so she kind of shut it down. So Janet at, I think she's 67 or 68 is actually back to manufacturing it herself. Um, and she has an apple cinnamon, a pepper, an original, and then the kind of like a sweet and spicy. Um, and then the pepper one is my favorite. you got the original Jones. Um, and, and had it with some pretzels. Um, I mean, she's for one, Janet is a hoot. And, and even <laughs> if Janet ends up listening to this, Janet knows she's a hoot. Uh, it's not a derogatory term by any means. I mean, Jan- Janet knows that, that she is not like the normal 68 year old that she is. Um, and, and, there are a lot of times I think I have a mouth of a sailor. Janet does it, but she doesn't care. She embraces it. Um, and, and for Bartlesville, you know, being a resident, being a citizen of Bartlesville, um, she's really doing a whole hell of a lot more uh, than a lot of people are. And, and, Jones, you can attest to this. That was a hell of an event. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, there were, there were, we didn't, I didn't get to talk to Roy Williams or Mark Clayton. Um, 
Uh, and, you know, By the joking, way, I, I did see Joe King, but when did Mark Clayton show up on on Sunday? So he was actually on my best friend Blake's team. <laughs> and uh, from what Blake had said, and, and this is the team that finished second. I mean, that so had the pro golfer to say how close it was. Yeah, Preston. Yeah, he, he's a he's a golf pro at, at Hillcrest, which is a country club, which has had PGA events there. So, I mean, you can take that for what it is. But um, Blake, best friend Blake, uh, actually said that he didn't show up till they were about, oh, 10 holes in. Um, I mean, because, uh, you know, we had, I, Jones, I felt like we had a good time at the uh, River Spirit, and that was actually my first time there. And then I drove back to Bartlesville, and I'd lay down for a bit. I almost ended up like Mark Clayton. And I uh, redeem myself. That's good. I redeem myself. That's good. I'm glad I that uh, uh, that was, it was close, though. It was. It was close. We had a good time there at the uh, River Spirit. Did uh, Did you watch any of that debate the other night? By the way, uh, it was incredible TV. Oh, it was it's entertaining for all the wrong reasons. Not- I mean the the worst reasons, but I mean you can bet your ass I'll be I will be there for the next one, Jones. I mean we talked about it, uh, and, and you know how our views are. But um, as far as entertainment TV, uh, I mean I feel like ETV could have hosted it. Uh, anyway, it would have been justified in that. <laughs> um, but I, I think Pence. And Harris, I think that will tell us more, uh, a whole lot more than anything this first debate could even come close to. Because, I mean, it's just like who pours the Kool-Aid first, essentially. Like, (laughs) do you get the cold Kool-Aid out of the freezer or do you have to continually add ice cubes? Uh, I mean, that's, that's what it came down to, but... I mean, we are. I mean, if you're a Netflix person, and and Jones, I don't know if you're or not. I don't I know am. if you have been a fan of Black Mirror, but this this seems like one Black Mirror episode that that I would very much like to get out of. Right. Oh my gosh! Wow. Um. You know, I'm an apolitical person. Uh, I'm not publicly supporting anybody one way or the other. Um, you know, that's how I've always been is, uh, you know, I always like to keep my views to my inner circle. And, uh, I will say this though. Uh, I think this is a fair assessment to say, uh, one way or the other. And this is fair to all sides is that I am really tired of the boomers holding the highest office in the land. And that's not a anti-boomer statement. I think there's a lot of good things boomers can do in this country, but you know, we've already lost hope for 2020 uh, as far as we're going to have a boomer president, no matter what side it's going to be. But for, for all that's holy in 2024, whatever party wins, can they at least be younger than 60 years old? Is that asking too much? I mean, it honestly (laughs) might be, um, just from, I mean, no, nah, I mean, it's terrible. Um, it's, it's terrible. It's huge. Yeah, you, I mean, I'll be sarcastic there, but, um, I mean, 
So you, Jones, get this: you have to be thirty-five to even run, or to even be considered. I, I mean, it, it, I think that's a great age, actually. I, I mean, I agree with that. I don't see anything wrong with thirty-five. Uh, before or after, I, I mean, I think that's a great starting point. But I think if you justify a 35, you know, age starting group or starting point, I, I think it's only fair to say, hey, um, anybody above 70 should not be allowed. If, I mean, right. in, in Republicans, Democrats be damned. I, I think Jones at our age group, and, and I'm a little bit older than you, but but not by much. I, I think it's a fair assessment or a fair point to be saying, hey, uh, you know, I might not be progressive, but as far as age goes and, and what we can essentially accomplish, I you would think that that being and, and it and you know, a lot of people might, people say age discrimination. I don't think it's that. Uh, I think there should be a limit um, on the presidency. I, I think that, uh, and we talked about this earlier, Tyler, that if, if there is a person um, with how the New York Stock Exchange is going, if there is someone that takes a different approach and pays all that money, I you know I don't think, that we should just be so up and apt to get this done. I think that for, uh, you know, the, the side judge type thing that, that we should be able to have some discussion, um, whether it be civil or, or disobedience. I, I mean, that I mean, really, that's what these are about. We got two more after this. I, you can agree with or disagree, but I, I think we're going to be facing the same type of thing as far as the debate goes. Yeah, I think we very well could. Uh, these next two debates could play out exactly like these uh, first two we saw here. And the the first debate, this was the analogy I used on Radio Tom, was when I was growing up in school. The worst teachers I had, almost all of them, were teachers that were boomers, that were out of touch, and that would yell a whole lot. Those were the worst teachers I had. And that's exactly what we saw in this debate on Tuesday night. It reminded me of those bad teachers I had that were out of touch, that didn't know how to run the technology, and were yelling and out of control all the time. Uh, America has to decide between what bad teacher they want for the next four years, essentially. Uh, that That's kind of the decision that we're left up to at this point in time. But nonetheless, we'll move on. I don't want we'll, – we'll talk more about this when uh, John Holt stops by. Uh, I know that's his area of expertise along with the uh, sports scene as well. So we'll look forward to touching on all that when uh, he stops by and joins us coming up uh, later on in today's show. But – uh, let's look at the uh, games in the National Football League this week. That's where we will start uh, on today's show. And in particular, looking at the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow, what a game for the Chiefs the other night on Monday Night Football uh, against the Ravens. And I, I know that we haven't had a show since the Chiefs won that game uh, on Monday. 
But looking at their performance, the, the Chiefs just just rolled with that 34-20 win. It felt like they should have won by more. If you take away that kick return for a touchdown, the missed PAT and the missed field goal, um, the Chiefs would have been up 31-3 to at halftime. And then you had that Darwin Thompson fumble in the second half. And the bad fourth and one play where they handed it off to Anthony Sherman instead of letting Mahomes throw forward or run it himself. So those two possessions were points off the board. I mean, the Ravens are lucky the Chiefs only beat them by 14. This should have been a beatdown. Uh, the, the Chiefs outplayed Baltimore from start to finish. They were the much better team in this game. They held Lamar Jackson to 97 passing yards. And I know that you've had these talking heads like Thomas Bridges that tried telling you that the Ravens were better than the Chiefs and that you know they were going to come in and you know cement their place against Kansas City, but it just wasn't the case. Kansas City proved that they're the best football team in the world on Monday night. They have the best quarterback in the world, and it's not even close. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I like Lamar. I'm a fan of Lamar Jackson. There's not much reason to hate on that guy. But Lamar Jackson, when it comes to the big stage, he crumbles right now. He's 0-3 against the Chiefs. He struggles to throw the football down the field. Held the 97 yards. I mean, it's not just this great game plan that Spags figured out and the, and the Chiefs had that, that slowed down Lamar Jackson. A lot of it is his own doing. Uh, a lot of it falls on Lamar Jackson for not being able to adapt and you know step up in these big situations. Um, I, I fault him for a lot of what went went wrong for this Baltimore team. And you have a good offensive coordinator there in Greg Roman. you got a head, good head coach in John Harbaugh. But eventually you can't just coach everything out of every bad situation. Responsibility has to be taken. Lamar Jackson, a lot of that's on him. The onus is on him for the way he performed. And Patrick Mahomes is the complete opposite of Lamar Jackson. On the biggest stage... And what really matters, Patrick Mahomes takes it up to another level. He kicks it up a couple notches. And, you know, we, we saw him play as good of a game that he's ever played. Five touchdowns on the road against maybe his best opponent in the NFL. He was incredible. He got all his receivers involved. He was throwing it down the field, middle of the field, screen game, whatever you asked of him. He was running the ball well. Um, the Chiefs have won 12 straight. Franchise record for wins in a row from this Kansas City team. Watch out, folks. Don't be picking against the Chiefs anytime soon until somebody beats them heads up, beats them heads on. Because right now it's the Chiefs versus everybody else. They're on another level, and I know that they're without a few guys even. You know, Legereus Sneed, who's been one of the best rookies in the NFL this year, leads the Chiefs in picks. He's going to be out for a little bit of time, it seems, uh, as uh, he suffered an injury in practice this week. Um, you know, this team is not perfect, but I'll buy the Chiefs versus the field right now, Tom. That's how confident I am in this team after their performance against Baltimore on Monday. But now if you're the Chiefs, 
you look at this team after this performance against the Ravens, as good as it was, now it's back to work against this New England Patriots team who has been no slouch by any means. There was not much expectations for New England entering 2020, but whatever those expectations were, they have passed those up uh, so far to this point. Cam Newton might even be more of a threat for the Chiefs to deal with passing the football than what Lamar Jackson was. This might be a bigger challenge for them facing New England and Cam Newton than it was facing the Ravens last week because Cam Newton has played close to the MVP level that we know he's capable of playing at. He can throw the football, he's got a big arm, and he can still run. Lamar Jackson struggled to throw the football. So with all that being said, the Chiefs, uh, I really like where this team's at. I'll buy what they're selling more than anyone else in the league, but it's right back to business this week against New England. I think the key for the Chiefs, and with the players that this team's short of, um, you know, the pass rush is going to be crucial, and it seems like it, I mean, it always is with this team, with as much talent as the Chiefs possess of what this team puts together. Um, the pass rush is going to be even relied upon even more so uh, in uh, this circumstance, in this situation. Um, and what, what I mean by that is when you lose Snead and some of those secondary guys, part of the job is the defensive line and that front seven is to fill the gap, fill the void left uh, because of the lack of weapons in that secondary. Now if you're lacking the weapons and lacking the weapons of the weapons, then it gets more difficult. So the D-line is going to have to step up. Getting Mike Pinnell back was huge. He played well against the Ravens last week. That's going to be important for the Chiefs. Um, and the offense, just do your thing. Just let it fly. Let it you know, do that, and they're going to be fine. Uh, I like the Chiefs this week, and uh, we'll pick that game coming up later. Obviously, you guys know the direction I'm going, but I like what they put together. And what a week it was for Patrick Mahomes, too. You get the win against the Ravens on Monday night, proving that he is the Ravens' daddy. And then we find out on Tuesday that, oh, yeah, he's actually going to be the daddy of a kid. Maybe it's Patrick Mahomes the third. I don't know. But very exciting news for him and his girlfriend, Brittany Matthews, uh, fiance, actually, on uh, having a kid. They just announced that's going to happen. And, you know, everybody in 2020, it seems like for the most part, has had kind of a rough year of sorts. Um, you know, the uh, the folks, you know, in 2020, it's been kind of brutal for a lot of folks. But for Patrick Mahomes, you win the Super Bowl, you win the Super Bowl MVP, you get that new contract, you get to keep around Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, you get engaged, now you got a kid on the way. I mean – you know, this guy is on the cover of GQ one week and then at the American Century Championship another. It's Patrick Mahomes' world. We're all just living in it. Life is good for Patrick Mahomes. He's having the best year of his life while everyone else is kind of suffering of some sort. So I'm jealous of Patrick. He's got a lot of good going for him right now. And and uh, I think that positive energy, I said this at the beginning of the year and I'll say it again. We cannot underestimate in these difficult times that it is for our nation and our world right now, 
the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have this positive vibes only thing going, and it's working so far to this point. I look them look at them to keep that going this weekend against New England. Other games this week: the uh, Broncos taking on the Jets. Oh, this is a brutal Thursday night game. This is what Thursday night football was made for uh, between these two teams. Both of them are 0-3. A lot of injuries on both sides. Uh, the rumor that we heard from Cowturn earlier this week was that with the Jets that they could possibly fire Adam Gase if they lose this game against the Broncos. So if you're a Jets fan, you probably actually want your team to lose, believe it or not. So you can go ahead and start the coaching search and move on elsewhere. Neither one of these teams are good. Uh, you know, if this were normal circumstances without injuries, we'd be saying to ourselves the Broncos are a lot better football team than the Jets. But with these circumstances, the Broncos have had the most bad luck of anybody in the league. Um, you know, I would still take the Broncos <laughs> even in all this. Uh, but that's going to be an ugly game. Might be a good night to watch Netflix or a movie or something instead of the uh, Broncos and the Jets. Colts taking on the Bears. We're going to pick this game coming up later today uh, on the show. Nick Foles, he came in and saved the day for the Bears last week against the Falcons. And, you know, that performance that he put together uh, coming in like that, I was so impressed with Nick Foles. This guy is a great backup quarterback, and he probably should have been starting the season to begin with anyway. Um, for the Colts, you had that bad loss week one, but now these other two games uh, that you have going here for this uh, Colts team, uh, they've bounced back well. Um, I think the Colts and the Bears, this is a real toss-up game, and, you know, I think we'll see Nick Foles play well. I don't know about Phillip Rivers. Uh, it's it's a week-to-week thing with Phillip Rivers, and I think the Colts are probably already regretting paying Phillip Rivers all that money. Jags taking on the Bengals. The Bengals are actually feeling pretty good about themselves for getting that tie on the road against Philly. So they're 0-2-1, taking on this Jags team that's 1-2. and and this might be the week the Bengals finally pull off a win. They're a favorite at home against uh, Jacksonville. I think uh, this matchup here, Gardner Minshew's played fine. Joe Burrow has uh, looked really good for the first couple of his starts of his career. This game doesn't mean anything at all. Um, but maybe the Bengals finally break through and win a game. Brown's taking on the Cowboys. Man. If you're trying to pick this game, good luck on picking this one. Uh, you talk about the unreliables, it'd be this bunch. Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Baker's played a lot better the last couple weeks after that bad start they had against the Ravens. Um, the Cowboys are just a, a mess at one and two, and you got a lot of issues with that group, and Mike McCarthy's made a lot of mistakes to get in that team's way. Um you know, we'll, like I said, we'll pick this game coming up later on. But this is crucial for both these teams. If the Browns go up to 3-1, and one, then all of a sudden everybody's ears perk up and says, okay, the Browns might be interesting. They could potentially make the postseason, especially with seven teams making it. The Cowboys, on the other hand, if the Cowboys pull this one off 
then it's back to, okay, you're in good position in the NFC East. Even if you lose this and fall 1-3, and three, the NFC East is so bad, it's not the end of the world for the Cowboys if they lose this game. Saints taking on the Lions, and uh, the Saints coming off a loss against Green Bay. I know they were without Michael Thomas for the second week in a row, but the Saints' offense was fine. The Saints' offense did their part in what they you know put together. It was their defense that simply couldn't get stops. Um, the Lions, this is another team that their coach is going to be fired. Matt Patricia just doesn't have the bag of goods to go much further. I think the Saints are going to be fine. I don't know what the deal is with Michael Thomas, if he's going to be able to give it a go or not. doesn't matter. The Saints are going to be too much. Seahawks taking on the Dolphins. Uh, Russell Wilson would be the Week 3 MVP at this point. He's playing incredible right now in uh, what he's done to uh, start out his season, set the record for most touchdowns in the first three weeks of an NFL season. He's on another level. Dolphins are a building team. Fitzmagic has had a few moments already this year, but Seattle's going to be just fine. Six and a half points is what Seattle's favored by. Um, that should be your blood bank guarantee. The home loan, whatever, put it all on Seattle. They're going to take care of business against the Dolphins. No, It's not a knock on Miami, but Seattle's just that good. Chargers and Bucks. we'll pick this game later. Chargers had a letdown last week. The Bucks. On their end of things, uh, led by Tom Brady, had a nice couple of weeks here getting in the win column, back-to-back weeks. And now what we're seeing out of the Bucks is that they're learning about their other guys. They're getting Leonard Fournette involved. They're getting Gronk involved. Some of these other new players that we said it would take time for them to get acclimated, besides just Tom Brady, now they're finally adapting. Meanwhile, on the other side for the Chargers, Justin Herbert, he got a reality check that – not every week is going to be like what he saw against the Chiefs uh, last week. I think that this is another reality check game of sorts. This is going to be a tough challenge for Justin Herbert. Bucks got a lot of weapons. I think the Bucks are going to be just fine. Ravens taking on Washington. If you were ever looking for an opportunity to bounce back after getting embarrassed on Monday Night Football, this is quite the chance for the Ravens that they get going up against this Washington team. Washington had a nice win against Philly week one, but uh, Ravens are going to be too much. I don't care if Lamar can throw the football down the field or not in this game. Uh, I expect a big win for the Ravens and uh, for them to get back on track. Uh, Their schedule is actually very easy at this point. They don't have very many tough games. The Ravens could find themselves still winning 12 or 13 ball games this year um, despite getting exposed against the Chiefs this past week. The uh, Cardinals taking on the Panthers. Uh, The Cardinals had a bad outing from Kyler Murray last week. He threw three interceptions. Uh, The Panthers have surprised folks. Many people believe this Panthers team was going to be the worst team in the league. They'd be contending for the first pick in the draft. Matt Rule's too good of a coach to let that happen. Um, They've been very competitive here in these first few games of the season. I like Arizona to win, but even Carolina without McCaffrey and all that, I've been very impressed with what they've been able to do in these circumstances. I like Arizona, but not going away by any means. Minnesota and Houston. uh, Desperate times call for desperate measures for these teams. Both of them have just been 
a disaster to start off 2020. Both of them had high expectations to be playoff teams, and now their coaches are on the hot seat, and they are in complete desperation mode. Um, I don't even know which team is more embarrassing at this point, whether it's Minnesota or whether it's Houston. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to pick this game because they've both been so bad uh, at this point. I guess you go the home team with Houston, but I don't expect either one of these teams to be any contenders by any means to, to have a turnaround of some sorts. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson uh, at this point. Deshaun's doing his part, but he's not getting any help around him. Uh, for Minnesota, man, are they missing – uh, their uh, star receiver Stephon Diggs. They're they're regretting letting him go to the Bills. I can tell you that right now. If I'm the Vikings, I'm already thinking at this point. How do we get rid of Kirk Cousins? Um, I think that's what it comes down to. With as much as he's getting paid and all the money that he's making, that's kind of like the only option left for this Vikings team. Is how do we make that work? Because they are just a disaster. They need to go draft a quarterback uh, in next year's draft and just say adios to Kirk because it's just simply not working there. I'll go with Houston, but uh, both those f- f- fan bases should be ashamed. Giants taking on the Rams. Rams let one slip away against the Bills. Had a chance to win that game. Giants uh, are a disaster. The, uh, the difference between them and teams like the Vikings and the Texans is – the Giants didn't have expectations. We knew that they were going to be bad in Joe Judge's first year. Um, the Rams are a 12-point favorite. Uh, bet the farm on this one. Rams are going to be just fine. And uh, that's a team that I wouldn't even let that Bills loss. Uh, it's not going to affect them that much. That was a good team that they lost to. A great matchup last week. Um, the Rams should win this one and be in a great shape. Bills taking on the Raiders. We're going to pick this game Later in the show, Raiders have surprised some folks at two and one this year. Bill sitting at three and zero. Buffalo a three point favorite, and uh, I got to tell you, uh, this matchup there in Las Vegas, uh, I think for the Bills, the thing that's going to be difficult is you just had one of the biggest wins in the last twenty years for your franchise, beating a really good Rams team. You know, after giving up that lead and. And uh, just as big as that win was, now it's don't have the letdown because the Raiders are a good enough football team that if you carry too much of from what you had the week before and aren't focused on this week, the Raiders can pounce on that and take advantage of you. They have a great running back in Josh Jacobs here. Very good game on hand. This one could go either way. Eagles take it on the 49ers on Sunday night football. The Eagles are a mess. Uh, the 49ers got a lot of injuries. Even with all the 49ers injuries, they're the home team, seven-point favorite. Um, I like the 49ers here. This is going to be an ugly game. This is another one of those, much like the Thursday night game, where if uh, if you got plans, if you want to take the wife out to dinner or something else instead, go ahead and do that and check on the game in the second half, see if things got any more better or more interesting because this one is just – going to be ugly as far as that goes the uh, Steelers taking on the Titans and uh, this game uh, friend of the show Diana Rossini was first to report on that it was being postponed due to some COVID issues with the Titans and uh, you know of course those issues went back to the Vikings as well 
as they played each other. The uh, Titans shut down the facilities this past week, but it sounds like that they're going to get this game in, I believe, an actually televised game on CBS on Monday or Tuesday. They're still working out the kinks as far as that goes with this game. But, uh, you know, if it were under normal circumstances, I think the Steelers are a better team than the Titans. But now the Steelers are going to have a whole week more of practice as opposed to Tennessee. Um, I think the Steelers are in much better shape with these circumstances and are in a better team as is with Big Ben and company. We were going to pick this game in the pick segment, but we don't know if the game's going to happen or not. Um, so I'll tell you right now, this, the Steelers, I like them to win this game and take care of business. I really like what I've seen from their defense. And, and Big Ben and that offense is doing just enough right now. Um they're not being asked to win games 35 to 33. Uh, they're winning it with their defense, and the offense is making enough plays. They're going to do just enough plays to beat Tennessee. And Tennessee, their offense has been okay. Once you get past Derrick Henry, there's not much that it leaves the body desiring uh, beyond that. They added you know, a good showing against Minnesota, but you know, that game against Denver and some of those others, Tennessee is like, eh, okay. Uh, Monday Night Football, the Falcons taking on the Packers. Falcons have been just a mess. Uh, their their head coach, Dan Quinn, should have been fired uh, yesterday, should have been fired halfway through last season. Packers should just spank the Falcons. This game won't be close. Um, they might be handed the pink slip to Dan Quinn on uh, Tuesday when this is all said and done. In fact, why even wait? for Monday to happen. He shouldn't even be coaching Monday's game. I like what Green Bay's doing. You can make a case that they're the best team in the NFC right now. Uh, I mean, they're playing that good. And Aaron Rodgers has a good balance between him and Aaron Jones of passing and running the football at this point in time. There's a good mix uh, there. And Mike McCarthy struggled to ever have that balance, that mix there in Green Bay like we're seeing right now. Uh, so Green Bay should be just fine. I like that Packers team. We'll move on. Let's talk uh, some college football here. Um, looking at the uh, Big 12 Conference this week, and uh, what a debacle last week was. And I feel like I'm using that word a lot today. But in uh, this case, for the Big 12 Conference, this conference is just a mess all the way around. Um, and, and this week, you just hope that you get back on track. You, know, you, you look at these games that you have obvious favorites in, it's important for those teams up top to say, you know what, we need to actually live up to our expectations. Starting with uh, Oklahoma, you lose to K-State. Lincoln Riley's got a good track record of taking care of business uh, coming off a loss, as does uh, what we saw from Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. They respond well. Iowa State, I don't know what to tell you about the Cyclones. This team, it feels like, should be a lot better than what their their uh, record indicates at 1-1. One and one. They had no business losing to Louisiana. They barely beat TCU. And what disappoints me about Iowa State more than anything right now is – as many of you know, I'm very high on Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy is an NFL talent, and 
you know, Brees Hall ran well. I get that, and I liked what I saw from Brees Hall of Iowa State there. But if you got an NFL quarterback, you need to use him, and he needs to play at a high level. We're about to enter the month of Brocktober, and it's time for Brock to unleash, really show what he's capable of. I think Oklahoma is going to be just fine and, and beat Iowa State. I know Iowa State's got a decent history against OU as of late, but we need to see more from Brock Purdy uh, for Iowa State if they're going to be able to do anything this season uh, as far as that goes. But I like Oklahoma to ultimately win this game and uh, take care of business against Iowa State on uh, that front there. We'll uh, pick that game against the spread coming up later on in the show. KU taking on Oklahoma State. The Jayhawks, I I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like because it seemed like after what happened week one with Miles Kendrick playing well in that second half, clearly playing better than Thomas McVitie, that, okay, Miles Kendrick's probably your guy then. And we only saw one quarterback play for KU week three. That was Jalen Daniels, and his debut was okay. Um, but he's a true freshman. What, what do you expect? They had a nice opening drive, and then beyond that, it was kind of, you know, left a lot for the heart to desire. Uh, it just wasn't there for this Kansas team. Oklahoma State, um, they have not had a game this year, their first two games where they've scored 21 points, and they're a 21-and-a-half-point favorite against KU. Quarterback situation, uh, Spencer Sanders went down in the first quarter against Tulsa, and, you know, Illingworth saved the day against Tulsa, against Tulsa, and then he played okay against West Virginia. This is one where I would stay away from this line because I don't really know what Oklahoma State team is going to show up. We don't know if the quarterback's going to be ready to go, what the quarterback does in this type of game. We know Chuba Hubbard and Tyler Wallace are terrific talents, but Oklahoma State has done a bad job of getting the ball in their playmakers' hands, in particular Tyler Wallace here. But for KU, they haven't done anything impressive through two weeks. This team has struggled to get Puka Williams playing to the potential that he's capable of. They have no consistency at the quarterback position. We don't know who's playing quarterback. Thomas McVitie uh, might be able to go from injury. The defense is a mess. Um, you know, there's there's a lot unknown here. I think we know Oklahoma State will win, but as far as how much that I have no idea. Um, I'm going into this game with a very open mind because I, I don't know how this is going to go down. Texas Tech taking on K-State. K-State is feeling great about themselves. Chris Kleiman is looking like one of the best younger coaches in college football. Um, here was an embarrassing loss that they had against Arkansas State. And, you know, those circumstances with the guys that were out with COVID and such like that. They went ahead and go forward and play that game. And you better believe they regretted playing that game based on the way that ended up working out. And against Oklahoma, they played with nothing to lose. They were down 21 points in the second half and played with nothing to lose. And for Texas Tech, even though they lost to Texas last week, that team barely beat Houston Baptist the week before. And the offense just lit it up. Alan Bowman's a very good quarterback. Um, this is a very interesting matchup with Alan Bowman and Skylar Thompson going up head-to-head. I think Texas Tech's got the better offense, but K-State's the more physical team. And K-State's at home in this matchup here. 
Um, I would give a slight edge to K-State in this one, but this one is uh, a game of contrasting styles. I think that K-State's going to try to be the more physical team and run the football. Texas Tech's going to try to unleash it through the air, and, and ultimately we'll see what happens. Uh, I would give an edge to K-State, but I don't see that. I don't say that with confidence by any means. Um, TCU taking on Texas. We'll pick this game coming up later in the show. Texas had no business winning last week. TCU competed hard against Iowa State. Um, you know, with their situation with Max Dugan having that heart issue, and he still comes back and plays, they competed hard. The end of the day, though, TCU is not a good football team. But it may have been a decade, however long it's been. Texas is still not back. Um, you know, Texas, they're sitting at that number nine ranking in 2-0. and I'm already seeing the Titanic is about to hit sooner rather than later. Texas is going to fall apart, and this thing is going to end up with, you know, three, four, maybe five losses. I don't know. Um, but it's one of those things where the end is near for Texas. I think they beat TCU here. But trust me, folks, this uh, this thing is about to fall apart sooner than later. Um, Sim Ellinger, he's a good quarterback. Uh, but he can't do it all, and he needs some help. In particular, that defense certainly needs to help him out. Baylor taking on West Virginia. Baylor with a great debut from Dave Aranda last week goes into Morgantown now, a West Virginia team that had just no offense last week against Oklahoma State. I like Baylor to win this one in Morgantown. Um, I know that it was Kansas and all, but Charlie Brewer's a very good quarterback, he has some weapons there. That defense is physical. Dave Aranda was well-prepared for his debut. I think he'll be prepared again as they take on West Virginia. So there you have it. That is uh, the look around the Big 12 for this upcoming week ahead. And uh, we'll have some picks around the college football world given up later on in the show. But coming up next, John Holt of Fox 4 is going to join us. We'll talk about the debate, talk Chiefs, KU, all that more coming up when John Holt joins us next here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week from Fox 4 in Kansas City. You know him from the news side, also covers the Chiefs and Royals and KU and all the great uh, scene there in Kansas City. It is uh, our good friend John Holt who is uh, back with us on the program. Johnny Wright, what's going on, man? Hey, man, I'm in the home office here and uh, kind of uh, underdressed. i but I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to fit the uh, big football homecoming weekend uh, look coming up here. Uh, uh, but it's nice and uh, nice and cozy down here in the man cave. Yes. So I see in your home office, you got looks like an OJ on trial poster. I see a Royals jersey, a Chiefs jersey, Allen Fieldhouse. You got everything down there. Nice, uh, yeah, I, nice kind of man cave too. I got all my all my bases covered. That Royals jersey is uh, a, actually a Fox Four Royals jersey from back in the day when we uh, had School Day at the K, the big weather show that we pioneered out there. And uh, of course, didn't do it this year. But uh, and then the Chiefs jersey, I'm not sure where I, you know it's it's. I think that's their 50th anniversary jersey. That, okay, that, uh, I got a hold of. So uh, they're. They're really just kind of more – those are my teams here in Kansas City. And, of course, the Jayhawks, as you know, 
as everybody knows, uh, in Lawrence. <laughs> That's fantastic. I like it. And uh, we talked about the OJ story. Uh, I think it was on radio a while back. Uh, uh, yeah, there's of all those days that you've been covering that, that was like within what your first few days on the job was the OJ trial. It wasn't long. I, I got to, to Fox four in 94 when they went from NBC to uh, Fox. So they had to hire a bunch of folks. And I came in from Wichita, as you know, and uh, they decided with little programming back then, we, we didn't have much syndicated program. We had had all those NBC soap operas. Uh, and so they had to plug in some programming. They decided that when the O.J. Simpson trial started in 95, I think it was right after the Super Bowl, uh, February of 95, that we ought to carry the trial. Back then, there was no, you know, you didn't have all the cable channels. You just had right. TV and CNN were carrying it. And we decided to carry it with, with a local flair of bringing in attorneys who had been involved in criminal cases. Because I had a legal background with the law school, KU Law. Uh, they thought it'd be a good idea for me to be a part of that. I you know, had to remind them I'd never tried a, a criminal case in my life, but huh. uh, I did take criminal law and criminal procedure. So I sort of harkened back to my law school days and, uh, and the lawyers that we brought in were terrific. They were, they were, I leaned on them as we analyzed the trial. And some of them are, are pretty well known today. And you might know one of them when one of our early OJ on trial attorneys was a guy by the name of Sylvester James, who would go on to be mayor <laughs> Sly James huh. <laughs> and who I uh, count as a, as a friend even today, all these years later, a number of other great attorneys uh, here in town. So that was quite an experience. And so I managed to, uh, I hope I hope nobody at Fox 4 is watching, I managed to make off with one of the two <laughs> OJ on trial swag signs that we would hang up when we were on uh, on the trial. And it's, uh, it's uh, there it is. It's kind of a nice memory for me. I like it. That is uh, terrific. John, we got so much to talk about. And uh, I got to ask you, uh, being the news and sports guy that you are, uh, covering both this this such a busy time of the year for you. What did you make of that? What was a debate or a debacle, whatever you want to call it, the other night? Uh, I mean, it was it was so entertaining for all the wrong reasons. Uh, I I actually was one of the few that I couldn't stop watching. I wanted to see more of that. Kind of like the train wreck, right? You, 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 everybody slows down. We don't want we don't want to look at it, but we all do. You know, I, I, a couple observations, uh, and let me begin with the just the overall tone. It was horrible, obviously. Um, both, and and I, I know there's a lot of focus on on President Trump. I don't think either uh, of those gentlemen really did well in 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 the in the presidential look uh, department, um, and you know both interrupting uh, uh, Vice President Biden, name-calling uh, President Trump, interrupting and, and trying to stir things up. I think his strategy was to throw Joe Biden off. Um, and at the end of the day, what did we learn? I mean, I, I think we tune into those debates to hear policy discussions and how are they different? And, and of course, all, each debate is over, over the course of history is famous for that quip or that one-liner that changed the course of of the campaign. I don't know that we had any of those. And, and, and so I, that was disappointing. The second observation I would make is I'm not sure the format did them any favors. Um, I'm a big Chris Wallace fan. Me too. I watch Fox News Sunday religiously. I, I think when he's on Fox News Sunday and interviewing guests, he's equally tough on Republicans and Democrats, uh, both sides of every issue. He's very good at that. And I think in retrospect, I think even he is trying to figure out how he lost control. And there's been a lot of criticism of him having moderated debates and forums in the past myself on a much smaller scale, obviously. 
but it, it's a tough job because you, ha you have to prepare the questions. You want to be knowledgeable enough to hold candidates to the facts and try to keep them on point and then keep them, you know, from interrupting each other and so on and so forth. Fortunately, I've never had that experience, um, but I, I know how tough it can be. And Dave Helling of the Kansas City Star, who I do a, a web-based political show with, Four Star Politics, uh, cheap uh, plug there, uh, drops on Wednesdays at five o'clock. Hey, there we, we go. We were talking yesterday as we prepared to tape our show about how he's done way more of these than I have, just how tough that can be, even when it's a calm setting. So, uh, you know, I don't want to blame Chris Wallace. I think the commission is now looking at the format. They're going to retool that. I think that's a good thing. I believe the next, the, the debate in Miami is a town hall format. I, I thought I read that somewhere. Yes. I'm sure they're rethinking and retooling and hopefully we'll, we'll get, uh, and then next week, of course, the vice presidential candidates will be up and I suspect we'll see a much different tone there. I've seen the idea tossed around of them possibly having to hand each other over the mic for that town hall. Mm. I don't know how you're ever going to get a Trump uh, get a mic out of Donald Trump's hands. <laughs> I'd be surprised if they did that, only because of the COVID thing. Right. You know, they they, they want to keep these guys, but they need to shake hands, right? Um, so I, I I had not heard that, but I'd be I think I think it may be more just the format. I think what happened was they had the two minutes for the question answer, two minutes to respond, and then this two minutes of open. Let's just go back and forth. <laughs> In the past, some of the debates I've done, and I think if I recall from some of the presidential debates, it was. You know, you ask the question, the candidate gets to answer, candidate B then responds, and then you come back to candidate A, and then there's a, a brief 30-second rebuttal. There might be a little give and take there, but they just, the, the format had them opening it up for two minutes. What happened was, as the debate wore on, you couldn't tell when they were in that two-minute uh, segment where they were open-ended or because they kept interrupting and, uh, you know, President Trump would jump in on Vice President Biden's answers, and it just, it, poor Chris Wallace, like I said. <laughs> But like you, I watched it. Um, I was horrified and fascinated at the same time. It's something we've never seen and hopefully we'll never see again. Right. right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you're absolutely right about that. Now, I do have an idea, uh, John, how we could combine something from like the sports world and the political world. You've seen the show Around the Horn on ESPN, right? Yes. Yes. That should be the debate format. <laughs> and then we would have a clear winner by the end of the night as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just I think with social distancing, we'll just put them in separate locations and put them in boxes, and yeah, they can they can go after it, right? You can mute them. Uh, you can deduct yeah. points. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. That'd be I, great. That's the other thing they've talked about, Tyler. Is you know, and Chris Wallace in a in an interview is the only one I think I've seen was in the New York Times. He was asked about you know the mute button, like being able to cut off the candidates. And he said, that's, that's not something I want to have control over because each of them has millions of supporters. And if you, you know, everybody's going to be counting who you cut off and how often, right. Uh, maybe the commission has a neutral person who, you know, when it's, when it's president Trump's turn to talk, Joe Biden's microphone is off. When it's the vice president's turn to talk, the president's mic is off. I, again, that's, we're going to see brighter minds than, than me certainly will come up with something, but let's hope it works. Right. Last thing on this, and then we'll move on, talk sports. Didn't it feel like on Tuesday night that that debate was kind of reflective of what this year 2020 has been? Just so much chaos, the way things have gone from the pandemic to this election, to just all the stuff that's gone on here. Uh, I mean, it, it felt like it was a... Our, our year in a nutshell essentially was what we saw on Tuesday. What say you? Well, I think I think you're you're onto something there. I saw a tweet from somebody. I forget who it was. Um, 
if 2020 were a debate, you know, and then a picture right. of the two candidates, that, that's kind of, um, you know, I think, I think that, but I think beyond that, even regardless of the year, it's, it, it was symptomatic of maybe these troubled times where, yeah. you know, we more and more it's shouting above each other and not listening. Um, and it's not just this debate. You see it on cable news often. Um, we see it in just our own lives when you're trying to have a conversation and somebody, you know, gets emotional. I think, I think we just need to take a deep breath and, uh, uh, you know, in my business, we're, we're trying to get answers from everybody and try to be fair. And, um, I just, I just think we're all talking past each other sometimes. Um, I will say about 2020, you and I talked about this kind of joke about it before I 2020 was, was great until the uh, world championship parade ended. So if we're going to start 2020 over, let's go back to the end of the parade because we liked the Super Bowl and the end result. And then of course it went downhill from there with, with, uh, uh, the big 12 tournament being canceled right basketball march madness and it's just it's rolled so uh let's start 2020 over beginning on february 5th or 6th or whatever whatever right day that was. Uh, and and speaking of who's actually had a, a great 2020 that is a good way to transition to uh patrick mahomes and the chiefs oh my gosh yeah you, you look at this yeah. guy not only do they win the super bowl and he wins super bowl mvp he gets the big contract extension we see him on G- GQ magazine one week, and then yeah. having a good time at the American Century Championship, and then he gets the Super Bowl ring, gets engaged, and now we find out the baby's on the way too. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's Patrick Mahomes' world right now. We're all just living in it. I mean, what a We're run all- for this guy! And then he's still playing great too. I mean, that performance against Baltimore was as good as we've seen in yeah. his entire career. I mean, what a run it's been for Patrick uh, these last several months here. Yeah, we're just we're like you said, we're it's Patrick Mahomes' world, and the rest of us are just kind of hanging out and enjoying the ride. A um, couple of things I think I think first of all, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. He's just everything we see and hear about him is is true. He's he's a, a genuine uh, good guy. He, he cares about the community. Um, just this past week, we were reporting on you know that there's been talk of making Arrowhead Stadium a polling place in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, and the, the sticking point for the for the city was, well, that sounds great, but there are costs associated with this. Well, Patrick Mahomes has been one of those out front, as you know, along with Tyron Matthew and some of the other Chiefs and NFL players on this on this uh, the, the unity and, and you know, bringing us all back together and ending racism. And so uh, he had promoted this voting drive and stepped up fifty thousand dollars from the, his foundation the chiefs matched it so a hundred thousand dollars will cover the cost so that's just just a little slice of what i'm talking about he's also had you know donated to harvesters and i think when he does that his teammates jump in when his foundation gave money to harvesters during the pandemic travis kelsey stepped up and joined him i mean there's just an amazing chemistry and love on this team the second observation would be i think don't we all worry and i, I know this is we've seen this in the past where a team wins something like a world series or a world championship and then they celebrate in the off season and they kind of rest on their laurels. And then, you know, you, you, you come back and you're flat. You're not, you're not, you haven't put in the training time, the workout time, you're not as quick. And, and I don't think that's the case here. I think when this team said, you know, one was great, but let's run it back. Let's get another one. Um, uh, I think it was a Tyreek joking about getting, you know, why stop there? Let's go five, six. And maybe it was McCole Hardman. I forget. But anyway, I think I think they are on a mission. I think they want to prove that this was not a fluke. 
yeah. 50 years uh, of a dry spell there with uh, between Super Bowls. And I think they have their mindset. Now, the first two games, they seemed a little pedestrian, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they, they won, but it wasn't all that impressive. And then on Monday night, under the brightest spotlight, Patrick Mahomes stepped up. And Andy Reid opened the magical playbook, and they right. had some fun. That was a great game. Well, and uh, I think the the term that the kids use these days is positive vibes only. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it seems like for this Chiefs team, you make a great point, John, of that – uh, while everyone else is going through a tough year of some sorts in these COVID circumstances, the, the Chiefs have, instead of having a Super Bowl hangover, have been just riding on this positive energy this entire way. I mean, uh, I mean that's kind of a life lesson that we all can accept. Uh, the, the Chiefs are a good example of that: is staying positive in a negative world and seeing the uh, the effects that it can have. That uh, that great energy and how things are going well for them, I, I think it's a big reflection on just their attitude as a team right now. We've always uh, believed, and we've talked about it, you and I, the chemistry that this team has, and it reminds me of the 14 and 15 Royals. These guys like each other. They get along. They hang out. Um, and uh, we saw Travis and, and Patrick at the American Century uh, golf uh, tournament, and you're thinking, gosh, they're sure having a lot of fun. I hope they're staying in shape. Well, as it turns out, they're in pretty <laughs> good shape. Right? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, I think, I think that's a big part of it. Um, and I think the NFL had a little more time to get ready uh, than perhaps Major League Baseball and, and some of the other sports, although the bubble concept seemed to work for the NHL and the NBA, and we'll see how it works for the playoffs now with baseball. But the NFL seems to have set itself up for success in spite of what we learned this week about the, uh, uh, the Titans um, going forward. And they've seemed to be managing that that one as well uh, as you and I speak. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, it's it's just it's been good to have that outlet, the, the yes. NFL back. It's a little weird watching games without the crowd and the artificial noise. I, I don't know where I stand on that. It must be very hard for broadcasters, sports, the play-by-play folks to to get you know. But they seem to be handling it well, and um, it's entertainment. It's something that we can all we can all we don't you know we may disagree on who won the debate, but we can all get behind the Chiefs and the Chiefs kingdom, right? Right, exactly, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, one of the things that stands out to me about this team, John, is just the rookies that we've seen. Oh, uh, yeah. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has stepped up and been incredible in his running back role, taking over for Damian Williams. Legereus Sneed, I know he just went on IR this week, but this guy was leading the league in interceptions here. Looks like Veach and company already found some gems that uh, have adapted pretty quickly, it seems, to this Chiefs team. They did, and and I think when, when we came away from the draft, everybody was impressed. He got great grades from all the pundits around the country, and now we're seeing that play out. Um, I, I do feel bad for Legereus. I mean, here's a guy you know who came in at one of the toughest positions to fill, right, is, is that secondary, the cornerback. And, yeah. and he, uh, he had adapted well and, and was really – sky's the limit. And it reminded me of Juan Thornhill last year, you know, the rookie. Now he, I think he went out later in the season. Um, what you hope is that this is, a, I guess, the collarbone – a fracture or a clavicle. I, I'm not a physician. I don't even play one on TV, but you're hoping that maybe he can, can heal like Tyree Kill did last year and get back uh, later in the season. You hate to see that kid's season end, certainly, or, or cut short, uh, because by all means, he was certainly a factor. Now, the Chiefs, and uh, they're saying all the right things uh, that, 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 you know, that they're going to, they have the depth uh, and that uh, Breland comes back here, uh, what, one more game, I think. Um, uh, the suspension is up, yeah, and so uh, they'll get him back in the mix. And he played last year, so hopefully he jumps right in to the defense. 
uh, and we won't skip a beat, but uh, but tough, tough, tough one for him to go down. But you're right. This is a great draft class, and several of them are making making their uh, places and faces known in the NFL already. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, that, that seems to be the case uh, with these guys uh, so far, that they've lived up to that hype and, and played well at this point. And, and we mentioned Snead's injury. John, what's impressed me, too, about this Chief squad is that through three weeks, and they've played really good, especially that Ravens game. But you've had suspensions with uh, Breland and Mike Pinnell. You've had some injuries. You know, Frank Clark had an illness, didn't play against the yeah. Chargers and such. And yet they're already overcoming these things. We know about the guys that opted out before the season began, too. And uh, it's been next men up. I've been impressed with what Andy Reid's done to have his guys ready to fill in those roles, especially that secondary, which was – really beat up to begin the season and now losing yeah. Snead too. Much maligned as well. I think that was the one thing all during the offseason everybody talked about was the the, the secondary. And um, and I, I really put a lot of that on Tyron Matthew. He's such a leader out there. He's the captain of that defense. Um, he's so adaptable to Spags moving him around and yeah. changing up his role last year when the team's defense seemed headed for disaster and in fact became one of the top five defenses by the end of the year in that final stretch um so i give him a lot of that credit uh he's a veteran and here's the other thing let's face it we've seen around the league some very serious injuries season-ending injuries the chiefs seem to have avoided that for the most part we'll see about uh, lj and, and what his situation is uh, uh drew Locke goes down for denver they're, they're now their second yeah. string quarterback maybe third um so Keep everybody healthy. Keep Patrick healthy. That offensive line needs to keep doing what it does. The amazing thing about Mahomes is he's almost better on the run out of the pocket than he is in the pocket. Um, you know, or when he does that deep drop and flings it. You know, it's just it's, he's a he's a sight to see. Uh, I saw some national guy refer to him as like a video game. You know, <laughs> what he's able to do out there. So let's keep him healthy uh, by all means. And uh, uh, not that we couldn't, you know, Chad or Matt Moore couldn't step in, but. We'd like to keep number 15 on the field as long as we can. Absolutely. What do you think about Sunday's game against New England uh, facing uh, Belichick and Cam Newton and company in town? It, it's Belichick. You know, I, I don't think you take anything for granted. I think the Chiefs can handle it. I think I think they win the game. Um, Cam Newton gives the, the, the Patriots a different sort of uh, offense and approach than Tom Brady did. I still have a hard time not thinking of New England with Tom Brady behind center. Mm -hmm. And, and now Brady and Gronk down in Tampa. That's just a strange thing. But um, but I think New England, it's Tom, it's Belichick, you know, and, and, and he and Andy Reid have a lot of respect. They've coached against each other. Uh, and, and it's a great chess match when those two guys get to, on the sidelines together. Uh, it should be a fun game to watch. I believe it's the 325 national game. So a lot of the country will see it again. Uh, and it should be, it should be fun. And I just think, yeah, Cam Newton's, I think he showed up way better than most people thought he would. He's hit the ground running, uh, and he's a quarterback they're going to have to contain for sure. I don't know that they have the weapons that the Chiefs do. In fact, I know they don't. And uh, hopefully our defense can keep Cam Newton in check and uh, Chiefs roll up to another win. Yeah, yeah, that, that game on a, on a network that shall not be named. Uh. <laughs> yeah, the, other, the other guys, yeah. The other guys. We get the, Buffalo, we get the Buffalo game coming up in two weeks, the Thursday night game. Okay. That's a Fox game, so we're excited about that. There you go. There you go. Not on the, the Brad Stevens network. Uh, the, the other. No, no. A good friend of mine, by the way, but uh, <laughs> yes, poor guy. He's just stuck on that wrong network. Right, exactly. Why would you not want to be on Fox 4 <laughs> with, with Harold and Rob and, and, uh, right. and John and everybody? They have a great time. Um, have a good time. With, with that being said, looking at New England here, 
I would think that you know Cam Newton, he's a better passer than Lamar Jackson. At least he's looked that way to open up this season. Yeah. You could make a case when you factor in Cam Newton being a better passer and Belichick being Belichick, this might be a tougher matchup for the Chiefs than the Ravens matchup was a week ago, John. I think it could be. I think that you're not getting a spotlight on it like you did, you know, with the uh, MVP versus MVP thing. But Cam Newton's going to come in with something to prove. Yes. Um, you know, you're playing opposite uh, the Super Bowl MVP, a league MVP. All the bright lights are on Patrick Mahomes. Hey, what about me? You know, and you have a coach who has played in so many big games. And, and I, I'm with you. This could be this could be a tough game. It maybe maybe starts out that way. I think the Chiefs pull away at the end. Um, but I, I, you don't want to look past this game. You definitely do not want to do that for sure. Yeah, and uh, you'll be talking about more on the Red Zone show this weekend. We're uh... KC End Zone. Yes, we we're you know this is a show. I got to tell you a story. This is a show that I got involved with. Uh, Al Wallace, who was our sports guy, yeah. before he decided to to enter the world of academia. You know, he teaches a sports management class at KU now. Uh, took early retirement. Uh, not early. He, he was ready. Um, uh, they had Al and I doing a podcast. It was uh, an audio podcast. Then, then it became a video podcast, not unlike this one. Yeah. And that morphed into an on-air show uh, when Rob and, and Harold took over. And they asked me to stay on as sort of the, the, the carryover uh, from before, which I love because, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a sportscaster in a newscaster's body, I yes. guess. I, I always loved sports, uh, followed the Royals, Chiefs, and, and Jayhawks uh, growing up. Uh, and the Big 12 in general, Big sure. 8, Big 12. So for me to be a part of that show has just been a real thrill and a lot of fun. And we, we, we of course, covered the Chiefs in Miami last year. We did our show live from down there. Uh, but, yeah, that's a fun show for me to be a part of because it, it sort of lets me you know, put the politics aside, put the, the regular news aside, and become part of the sports fund. I don't pretend to be the expert that Rob and Harold are or, we, you know, our guests uh, I try to just sort of uh, keep the show moving and throw in my thoughts here and there. And uh, But uh, I, I defer to those guys when it comes to the X's and O's. They, they both know the game very well. And it's a lot of fun. We, we have a good time with that show. You've seen it. It's oh, yeah. kind of irreverent at times. But uh, we got a great young producer now uh, working on the show, Robert Simpson, uh, or Robert Ribson. And, it, and it's, it's really uh, – it's fun. We enjoy doing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, the routine. We mentioned Chris Wallace earlier. I mean, your Sundays just need to be on Fox 4 because you got yeah. th that show at 8.30, Chris at 9, the uh, Fox NFL shows at 10 and 11, then what do you know, noon is kickoff. I mean, you got it all right there at one place. Your, your mornings go by fast when you have it on Fox 4, that's for sure. Not to mention our early earlier, if you get up real early, you can watch our news leading into the end zone at 8.30, and then, of course, uh, Fox News Sunday. At, yes. uh, not, I'm, a, I'm a regular. If I can't, if I'm not there, I always take Fox News Sunday because I like to keep up with what's going on. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, did I say tape? I just said tape, didn't I? You did. I, I did. Yeah. I think my, they, my bad. I think they call I've that. I've got an old Betamax upstairs. Betamax. I still, uh, DVR. Let me DVR. Really get back to the DVR. Yes, and uh, I was looking at YouTube TV the other day, and they don't even call it DVR. It's uh, the library. Would you like to add oh, to your library? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, whatever. I'm old fashioned. I'm old fashioned cable. You've probably cut the cable. See, you're so you're, you're hipster. You're you're way hipper than I. So originally, I did cut cable, and then I moved into a new apartment that included cable. 
So I'm like, okay, oh. I guess I'm back on cable again. So yeah. that's fine with me. I'm not paying for it. So. Hey, as as long as I can get Fox, Fox News, Fox Sports, Fox Sports Kansas City, ESPN, <laughs> all the ESPNs, and find Army football, I think it's often on the CBS cable yeah. sports. I'm good. Is that I'm your good. secondary team as Army? It is. And our son, uh, Jack, was a West Pointer. And uh, oh, okay. so we got to see Army play at uh, Mikey Stadium. If you're a college football fan with no connection to the service academies, go to Mikey Stadium on a, on an early uh, fall Saturday and take in a football game there. It's, it's just so uh, – I get goosebumps talking about it with the cadets. Yeah. And just the Patriot. The Hudson River Valley is beautiful. Uh, we were there four years with our son going to games. Didn't see Army win once. Really, <laughs> you know, but now you know they. Were, I guess until their loss last week, they were 22nd ranked in the country, and Coach Munkin has them playing really, really well. His name came up for the KU opening yeah. before Les Miles was named, uh, but I think he loves what he's doing there at West Point, and and you know I support all the service academies, Navy and Air Force as sure. well. Uh, now it's Army Navy in December. I, it's Go Army Beat Navy for us just because of our son. But yeah. right, yeah. oh, that's awesome. That that is uh, great, uh, Oklahoma was going to play at Army this year before. Yes, that's right, because remember last year, Army gave took them to overtime, yeah, if I recall. they did. And the Oklahoma fans were so shocked and applauded the Army team as it left the field. I thought that was great. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that would have been fun to, if you're a Sooner fan to be heading out there to take in that game. And hopefully they'll they'll add that to the schedule. Yeah, they, they've committed that they're going to get that game in one way or the other and have fans yeah. there. And such there was some the talk at one point about Army coming, doing a home-and-home home with K-State because, as you know, K-State is so close to Fort Riley. Right. And the, uh, Coach Snyder adopted the, the fort uh, when he was there, and a lot of the, 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 the uh, enlisted guys would come over and be a part of the crowd. And um, they wore – I think they wore the, the big red one patch on their uniforms. Oh, that's cool. For a time, and – uh, and there was talk of a, an Army K-State home and home, and I, that would have been fun, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would have been for sure. Uh, yeah. With that being said, since you brought up college football, let's uh, transition talk KU. Are, are you going to make it to the game Saturday, by the way, with uh, the 10,000 fans there, homecoming and all? <laughs> There's still an outside chance. Um, we, in all honesty, uh, the group of guys I go to games with, we rolled over our season tickets to next year just because of the way the schedule lined up and because of the fact that, you know, you can't tailgate, uh, right. It's a smaller crowd, um, no less fanatical or, or spirited about uh, the program, but there's an outside chance. I may actually be over this, uh, this Saturday. Uh, it's homecoming weekend. Did you know that I, I had kind of forgotten? I don't know how you pull it, off homecoming activities. In well, you don't. It's all pretty much virtual. The KU Alumni Association, which I have uh, done some work for and am associated with, uh, I used to come over, as you know, and do the Friday night yeah. parade uh, and, and help MC that. And uh, this year, uh, obviously, there's no, it's going to be a virtual uh, event uh, in some respects. But it, it just it snuck up on me because, you know, homecoming, I always have circled and I've got my I take Friday off typically from work so I can be a part of it. And this year I just like, oh, my gosh, it is homecoming weekend. Right. So um, we're still playing football. I'll still be cheering whether I'll be there or watching. I, I don't know yet, but I'll uh, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to find a way. I'm OK, find a way to get I'll be there. Uh, should right. be fun. Uh, no doubt about it. And, uh, but you I, won't be at a, a J-Ho tailgate before the game. No. See, it's just not going to be the same, is it? De- definitely not. Uh, <laughs> that was a, a must-do uh, when, when you're at a, uh, at a game is either come by there or come by at halftime 
and yeah. uh, and see the tailgate scene you got. I mean, you've been doing that how many years now? Oh wow! You know that's a great question. I, 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 you know, I've been gone a long time. I don't really want to say how long, but I've been a KU football fan from the word go. But that group of guys, we have like three or four of us who gather in that corner spot there in the lot. We've been we've been tailgating for. 10, 15 years, maybe. Uh, actually, originally, even beyond that, there was another lot before they did the practice fields. Coach yeah. Mangino put those practice. We were, we were over in that other lot, uh, and that was another 10 years there. I, it's, 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 I've lost track, but it's a fun group of, of guys. We always look forward to it, and we're all kind of bummed that we're not going to be able to do that this year. Right. So. Yeah. I, I, I feel you. And then you guys certainly had yeah. a great time. That was the tailgate spot. Now, I take no credit for our tailgates. It's, it, I tell people, don't come hungry, I, I come thirsty. But a couple of the guys do sometimes bring out the grills and 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 fix things up. But I'm just uh, you know you know me. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it pretty simple. Can. I've got my red Coleman cooler, and that's about it. And you've had that forever, right? That, yeah, Coleman. that's the original Coleman cooler. It's <laughs> I've posted it on my Instagram account. It's it's uh, it doesn't have wheels. It's not a Yeti. It's it's just it's been through the wars with me up there, uh, and uh, I just can't let go. Right? I mean, right. I probably should upgrade a little bit, but. Eh, it's so, fun. Everybody looks forward to seeing it. So one of the things I got when my grandma passed away this year was her red Coleman cooler. And uh, it looks pretty similar to yours, and it still works great. I'm like, this thing's going to last forever based on the way. Yeah, and by the way, those were likely manufactured in Wichita, Kansas. Oh, really? The home of Coleman. It was obviously the Coleman family founded. I think mm-hmm. it's been sold a time or two since. It's still there, and it's still Coleman, the brand. Yeah. But your cooler and my cooler are original Vintage. I like Vintage it. Cold. I like it. Uh, this this KU team, they're 0-2 at this point. Uh, yeah. What do you think about this uh, Jayhawks group uh, in Les Miles' second year? I don't want to sound like I'm a, you know, in the spin room here after a debate, but I think Coach Miles has a good point when he says, look, this is a process. We're building a program with young kids. Um, the cupboard was fairly bare when he got here, both talent and scholarship-wise, and I think they're trying to build those numbers back up. Um, it's going to take time. I think we have to be patient. Uh, he's got a great group of assistants. Man, they're out there recruiting their tails off. Um, I, the key is going to be, can you keep those kids committed, the oral commitments, when they see the team struggling like they are right now? Um, this new young quarterback, uh, uh, Jalen uh, uh, Daniels, I was shocked when he when he put him out there, you know, started him. But I, get it. I understand it. It's like, you know what? Now's the time. Um, and so we'll see. I, I, he's being coy about this weekend. Uh, we'll see who gets playing. There may, it may be a quarterback by committee again, but I, but he's a freshman. He's athletic. He, that first drive down the field, they score. And you're thinking, here we go, right? All right. It's 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 Baylor. They're more athletic. They're faster. It's and it went downhill from there. But no, I'm 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 give, I'm patient. I've been through it. I understand, and especially this year, right. where you lost those non-conference win opportunities. Coastal Carolina handed to them. It's two years in a row. They've come into Lawrence and and walked away with a win. And if you remember last year, the next weekend, I was there, Boston College Mm -hmm. in Boston, and we pulled the upset. So (laughs) it's the highs and lows of being a Jayhawk football fan. Right. Uh, and there may be a few more lows than highs, but nonetheless, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun uh, with that being said. Um, you know, I I look at this schedule, John, the rest of the way, and I know that KU is going to be an underdog in every game going forward, but with as bad as the big 12 has looked, I still think there's some opportunities for KU to figure this out and get a win, maybe even two, uh, before this season's up with. I'm not yeah. losing hope this team's going to go win. No, 
No, I know everybody's talking about Ofer. I, I, you know, Iowa State is a they're good. Let's face it, but they've struggled. Texas Tech is a possibility. Um, you know, last year we should have beat Texas at Texas. Yes. Remember that we had we had them their backs to the wall and let that one get away. That you know, we talk about the fifty straight non-conference road losses. I reminded my buddy Rob Collins a couple of days ago, who's a Texas guy, not Longhorns, but from Texas. Sure. I said, you remember last year that streak should have ended. I watched in West Virginia visiting my son on my iPad because he's cut the cable and I had to go iPad route. <laughs> I was just in awe at how that team hung in there, came back nearly and had Texas down. Uh, and I think a lot of uh, Longhorn fans will admit that they <laughs> they were nervous too. So, yeah, no, I think there's a chance. You never know as these kids grow and get better at playing together, we stay injury-free, and maybe a quarterback steps up. Teams winning at the college level right now have one thing in common, a quarterback. Look at K-State going into OU. Um, you know, they've got a senior leader. And these other teams that, that, are, that are winning have good, solid quarterback play. So that's what you're developing right now, a high school, a true freshman, uh, and it, it just takes time. It does. It certainly does. And do I sound like a cheerleader? I, I, maybe I do. I don't know. I'm hopeful. I like it. Uh, I don't like that you remain hopeful. That makes at least one person that uh, remains optimistic about this team. Um, but this game be at Oklahoma State this weekend. I don't know what OSU's doing at quarterback with Spencer Sanders being hurt, and uh, you know they played this freshman Illingworth, who's looked okay. They haven't scored more than twenty points in their first two games here. I, I think this game might be closer than people think. Yeah, you got to you got to uh, keep their running uh, ground game in check, right? Um, although uh, their, their star, what's his name, Chuba uh, uh, Hubbard, Hubbard had two fumbles last week. I think. Yeah, I, I read. Um, Top so, two running backs in the conference in this game. Yeah, so so you got to you got to stop the running game. Obviously, the weather conditions may may play a role. I I guess there's a chance. Our guys say there's a chance for rain. Yes. Saturday, I haven't, and this will obviously it evolves as we get closer, but that may slow them down. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that might give you a, an opportunity. And I think Puka Williams, I, I, we need to get him in the offense. He, he's, he's not had a breakout game yet. Um, I don't know that he's gotten touches he should be getting. Maybe yeah. find ways that that's the thing about the chiefs. They find ways to get skilled players like that involved in the offense in every phase. Uh, and that's something I think uh, Dearman needs to do uh, with Puka. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a lot more touches this weekend. Yeah, and he should get a lot more touches. They need to find ways to get him more involved in the offense and figure things out from there uh, as far as that goes, John. Um, anything else? Uh, I think we've covered a lot in uh, this segment, John. It's flown Middle by. Middle East peace? Do we, need, do we need to talk about Middle East peace and all that other stuff? <laughs> nah, we'll leave that for another show. What, what, anything else uh, that, that you want to touch on? I know that you're you're covering all sorts of stuff uh, between sports and news there in uh, Kansas City these days uh, here as we enter the month of October. Yeah, you know, it's a fun time of year. I mean, and it's not – look, pandemics are awful, right? We're not happy mm -hmm. about that. But how weird is it to have the Stanley Cup – Major League Baseball, uh, all these, you know, the Masters is still coming up. We just had, what, the U.S. Open. All these major championship sports all coming together and happening at one time. Man, I, I can't keep up, right? you got to have multiple right. TVs or find a good sports bar. Um, I would just say uh, I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, be safe. Be optimistic. Uh, stay upbeat. And that's true for KU football fans. And <laughs> I'm excited about basketball season. We'll see how that's handled. Uh, obviously, Coach Self uh, lost some key pieces, and we can talk about basketball another time, but uh, we're going to get a season that looks like November 25th 
uh, they pushed it back a little bit. So I, I just I hope everybody's doing well. And maybe sports is a nice outlet. Uh, it is for me, and I know it is for you as oh, well. Yeah. And, uh, just just rock chalk, and everybody take care of themselves. Uh, oh, yeah. All, and I'd say we're all in this together. I, I'm not sure we are. It's, <laughs> we've become a very divided uh, country. Along, truth. Uh, you know, masks have kind of uh, symbolized that, right? But uh, uh, just everybody do your best to stay safe and stay healthy and uh, cheer on the Jayhawks, win or lose. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, my Saturday, I forgot to tell you this, John, what it looks like for me. So – Friday, I got to do uh, Lawrence Free State versus Mill Valley. And Great, then, that'll be a good game, right? Fun. Yeah, I think Mill Valley is going to yeah. handle them pretty easily, to be honest. Um, and then I do my radio show Saturday morning. Got to run over to Lawrence High and do their afternoon game against a school you're familiar with, Bishop Carroll. Yes, and yes, from Wichita, right? Oh, yeah. West Wichita. And then from there, I got to go see the finish of the KU Oklahoma State game. I should show up sometime around third quarter so that's uh that's my saturday you're like jim nance you've got a (laughs) they have a a legit that picks you up and fly your limo pulls up and all right we're heading over to lawrence so so fortunately i live just five minutes from lawrence high in ku uh so (laughs) the 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 limo i have is my my own kia vehicle yes (laughs) same same there's no limo no limo no jet (laughs) i love it john thanks for the time as always and uh, you bet Plug real quick. Plug all that stuff you got going. The the, the end zone show and okay. the podcast, of course, uh, each night on Fox Four. Yeah. Well, we got. Uh, if you're a viewer, uh, Fox Four News at five, six, and nine o'clock uh, are my regular shows. Uh, on Wednesdays, uh, Dave Helling of the Kansas City Star and I host a little half hour digital show called Four Star Politics. Uh, we started this early in the primary season. We thought it was a good time to launch, and it uh, posts every Wednesday at 5, and it stays there, so you can go back and look. Yesterday, we had a couple of candidates, uh, Nicole Galloway uh, yes. running for governor in Missouri and Amanda Atkins running for Congress in Kansas, one-on-one interviews with them. Mm-hmm. That's my my chance to play Chris Wallace, I guess. And then on Fridays, I shift gears, and uh, we, we have the KC End Zone which airs typically on the weekends, depending on the market. It airs on KSNT in Topeka, KSNW in Wichita. Springfield has it. Uh, I think it's uh, Color 13 down there. Is that right? Am I right on that? I think so. And then Fox 4, we air at 8.30 on Sunday mornings. So that's kind of my foray into sports as well. And it's a fun uh, show with myself, Rob Collins, and Harold Coons. You're the Bryant Gumbel of Kansas City. <laughs> well, He's, he, he, his paycheck is a lot bigger than mine, but it does give me a chance to do some different things, and it, it, that makes it fun. It makes it fun for me. I bet you're glad I didn't say Hannah Storm. Uh. Hey, she's talented too. I'll yeah. take either one. Bob Costas is another guy I grew up watching, and he did. He does. A, he, he'll do current affairs and issues, and shift gears, and do baseball. And he, uh, you know, I'm not that. nearly as talented as those guys, but I love. I love what they're doing. The range of their oh yeah. Ability I don't know how many people know this, but Costas did a late night show at one point. He did. <laughs> yes, late night with Bob Costas. And I remember it was uh, kind of a pioneer in its day. Yeah. Where he he would have a guest on, and they would just sit and chat, and it was it was not not like the late night talk shows you know that we're used to of comedy and all that. But it was it was very they delved into some serious stuff, and yeah, he's he's a talented guy. I've met. <laughs> cost us a few times over the years and just yeah. a really good guy and smart and, uh, i think uh, i think he's gonna he's gonna play a role i believe it's espn cnn uh, cnn that's right yeah and so he's zucker has said he's gonna find a place for him you know, oh yeah there's definitely a role for him to play. absolutely yeah. john appreciate the time as always and i will talk again soon thanks for joining us man
All right, buddy, as uh, Brent Dearman likes to say, wave that wheat. Here come the Jayhawks. Big thanks to John Holt of Fox 4 for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones back here with you now. It is time for another edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em, where we pick five games from the NFL and in college football. And uh, we got a great crew picking games each and every week. It is uh, myself along with Brian O'Connor of O'Connor Advisory Group, Thomas Bridges, and uh, T.J. Reeves. And uh, Brian O'Connor is here with me this week uh, to look at these games as we'll go through them one by one with uh, five games in college football, five games in the National Football League. And uh, we, we call Brian Coach Bo around here. So, so Coach, i got to ask you, uh, last week – you uh you did pretty well uh, last week. You ended up with uh with four wins, four losses, and uh, two ties. So right at five hundred, you'll take that most weeks. Uh, that that Army game and the Louisville game uh, may have saved some of us from some extra losses. I have no problem with getting, taking those pushes there. Yeah, I was the definition of even Steven last week, <laughs> and coming down to that last game Monday night, I had the Ravens. And I went, man, I just, I questioned myself come Monday and wished I could have changed my pick. Right. We, we have all yeah. been there. Uh, that is for sure. Yeah. Uh, Coach, first off, what's uh, going on at uh, O'Connor Advisory Group as we begin the month of October? Well, we just got through September, which is Life Insurance Awareness Month, which is a big deal for us. We always are helping people with our life insurance. We can still help you if you have needs. If you need life insurance, give us a call. Let us chat with you. We've got 75 different carriers. But, uh, hey, well, we're going to push on for the rest of the year. From October really to the end of the year is going to be a couple things. One, uh, October 1 starts open enrollment for Medicare. Now, we can help you with Medicare supplements. We do have a couple of trusted people we send folks to on that. But I find it's a great time to take a look at, if you're older, take a look at everything and seeing what you're wanting to do, preparing for 2021. And if you're younger, if you're a younger family, you're married, just got married or just had a child, hey, we want to talk to you about getting started. We can help you out. We can help you help you find that budget, help you do some things that – you probably never thought about doing for your finances and really don't know how. And we want to be your trusted partner in that. That's awesome. I definitely want to check out uh, Brian and O'Connor Advisory Group. Give them a like and follow on Facebook and also reach out to you uh, by phone as well. And uh, how can people contact you that way, Bo? Hey, uh, my phone, it's uh, our phone is 785-856-0720. Our new website will be up in about two weeks. So be patient with that as it's coming. And uh, we are excited to have that up and people can see a little more about us and what we can do for you that way as well. That is awesome. Definitely want to reach out and get involved there. Uh, Coach, uh, we got a good slate of games this week. And uh, I don't know about you, but before we dive into them too much, I was going through these, and I had a few more that were just head scratchers. Like, what what am I going to do here? I think we're looking at this next week ahead, both on the college football side and the NFL side, some really good football coming up the next few days. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, there was a few of these games where I just I didn't quite know what I, uh, especially with the spreads, trying to figure out exactly get a good feel for the games. Um, I think the college games are going to be tougher than ever before. We're seeing teams that, 
you know, are having COVID issues or just inconsistency. We're going to see a lot more of that inconsistency throughout the year, I think. So I think we might see a team that, you know, wins up. Look, it's a team like Mississippi State last week against LSU. You know, Mississippi State comes out and just bludgeons LSU offensively. They're not going to put that many points up on the board the rest of the season, I don't think. But And LSU probably won't give up that many the rest of the season. But we're going to see some of that inconsistency where one key player drops off. And we're not going to know about it till game day and game time many times. Because it's a COVID deal, if some of, some of them, they're just not going to release information. These colleges are going to keep that tight. A lot of that has to do with HIPAA. And I think that's going to be a unique situation. I think that you're going to see a lot of that in college. The NFL, not as much. I think we'll see. They've got that little bubble. Each team is in it. They're staying at their facilities. They're staying close to home. They're doing a pretty good job for the most part of the Titans having an issue. But um, other than that, we're seeing that they're doing a pretty good job. The colleges, I'm a little worried about how the season's going to progress. Right. We're going to see times where there's some inconsistencies out there. I think college will get better when we get the rapid testing involved. Um, the NFL, of course, they're testing every single day. The Titans and the Steelers, I wanted to pick that game this week, but we're still not certain that game's going to happen. So we'll uh, we'll pass on that game. But uh, it looks yeah, like that it's going to be. It might move to Monday or even Tuesday. Yeah, and it's going to be nationally televised on CBS. So yeah, everybody gets. A, and as a coach, you got to hate getting moved to Tuesday. It's just going to mess up your whole week coming up after that, too. Yeah, as, so. a, as a fan, though, I'll take it. That's another game we get to watch on national TV of two very good yeah. football teams. So Yeah, especially now we're all craving sports. And right. We are in kind of a cool part of sports right now with um, Major League Baseball's in the playoffs. We have the NBA Finals starting. We have, um, we have um, the, the Stanley Cup just finished. Congratulations to uh, TJ's team. And then um, also we have the NFL and college football. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. So let's go ahead and uh, get started. Uh, a little recap. We mentioned that Bo went 4-2 four, four and two last week. I did pretty well, if I might say so myself. Uh, I went 6-2-2, two and two, and I went 5-0 and oh in the National Football League. So let's ride that momentum. I'm 16-12-2 on the season. And uh, Bo right now, he is 14-14-2 on the season. So I'm about two games up on him at this point right now. Thomas Bridges is in first place among us at 17-11-2. That's one game ahead of me. And uh, TJ is uh, sitting a little bit of a ways back at 13-15-2. He had a nice bounce back week at a 6-2-2 last week. So we'll go ahead and get started in college football. Game number one is number seven, Auburn, taking on number four, Georgia. The Bulldogs are a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Auburn took care of business last week against Kentucky. Georgia got off to a bit of a slow start against Arkansas, but then really just pounded it uh, in that second half. Bo, what do you think of this matchup between uh, Auburn and Georgia here in uh, Athens coming up on Saturday? I watched a little bit of this game last week, and UGA, uh, Georgia did not play particularly well for about two-and-a-half to almost three full quarters. I guess they're really just not that very good Arkansas team. They're not very talented. Um, Georgia has a quarterback situation. Um, and I'm of the adage when you have two quarterbacks, you've only got – you'd have no quarterbacks. Uh, Kirby Smart is not tipping his hand as to who's going to be the starting quarterback this week. Uh, their backup came in, played fantastic 
and Georgia just pulled ahead like a race car that they are in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, what Kirby Smart did say, I read this Wednesday, was he is they are not going to split time at quarterback. They're going to go. They know what quarterback they're going with. They're not tipping their hand. I tend to think that Kirby Smart knows what he's doing, and I'm going to take Georgia, and I'm going to lay the six and a half here. Uh, this is more about me liking Georgia than disliking Auburn. I think Auburn's a good team. I like Gus Malzahn. I like what he does. Uh, they got Coach Steele there as defensive coordinator. They're going to do some mix up some things, but I think Georgia will have the race cars to win the game late in the game. And I think right at a touchdown. I think this spread, it, it kind of creeped down to six and a half where we're at right now. I'll take the, I'll lay the six and a half. Okay. Uh, six and a half on uh, Georgia there. I think that's just too many points. Uh, Auburn last week impressed me against Kentucky uh, in their performance. I really like Bo Nix. Uh, you mentioned that Georgia doesn't know the direction that they're going to go at quarterback. Auburn's got a very good young quarterback in Bo Nix. I know it's a road environment. I still think Georgia probably wins this game, but I don't see it being a touchdown victory. I think Auburn can keep it within that margin at 6.5. I'll go with Auburn to cover as the underdog at 6.5. Number two, Alabama taking on number 13, Texas A&M. The Crimson Tide, a 16.5-point favorite in Alabama just looked so impressive last week. What are you thinking about uh, this matchup, Bo? Okay. Um, Alabama was impressive. And they played their backups the whole second half. Um, the only thing that scares me is 16 and a half points. But Nick Saban is, I think, the greatest college football coach of all time. I think that Bama really likes who they are. And frankly, the thing that I like about them this season is they're the one team I've watched this season that blocks people and tackles people. That is the foundation of a Nick Saban team. And I think that going through the season, we talked a little bit about this before we got started tonight, is I think that's going to be a huge deal throughout the season. Teams that tackle and teams that block because they're not able to do a lot of hitting and that's why I'm going to lay the points with Alabama. I think that A&M uh, just don't have the experience right now to go into Alabama. And Nick Saban's always going to find a way. The guy's got a talented, talented team. The points do scare me, but I'm going to lay them in this case. You know, Bo, I'm right there with you. I got to go with Alabama here as well. And I, I like all the points you made about the Crimson Tide. Mac Jones has looked just fine at the quarterback spot since he took over for Tua last year. We know they're loaded at every position. But I also look at Texas A&M here, and it only takes me one word to describe the Crimson Tide, and that's high. That's overrated. Uh, actually, not Crimson Tide. I take that back. To describe Texas A&M uh, is overrated. Um you know, you, you look at this bunch. You know, Kellen Mond, uh, not sold on Kellen Mond still. Jimbo Fisher, his national championship happened to be with one of the best college quarterbacks of all time and Jameis Winston. And then that ranking, number 13 in the country. Are you kidding me? Uh, I, I can easily name about probably, you know, 20 teams that I think could beat Texas A&M right now. I'm not sold on A&M at all. I'll go with Alabama to win this one easily and cover that 16 and a half. Uh, I'll say this, Bo, Alabama, uh, Texas A&M is, is a fraud. I'll, I'll put that out there. They are a fraud team. 
I would not buy any stock on Texas A&M. Sell all the stock right now. Wow. Okay, so I want to jump in here a little bit on you on this one because I'm with you. I'm with you because really, since he's been at Texas A&M, Fisher has two big wins. He had the Johnny Manziel team beat Alabama. And he had well, that the, was uh, Kevin Sumlin. Well, that was Kevin Sumlin. So, really, the signature win, if you'll call it, call it a signature win for uh, Texas A&M, is the 74-72 game in, uh, at home against LSU two years ago, which was a total fraud of a game. Right. I'm not just saying as an LSU homer. They gave him the game three times. Um, yeah, they don't have a signature win. And, frankly, he's not recruited well then. Um, they have not. They are not in the upper echelon of talent in the SEC and in the SEC West, especially where you've got Alabama and LSU, and you've got to play them every single year. You better get some horses in there quick. And they have no excuse not to be. Texas A&M has invested more money into their football program than any other program in the country. Literally, that's not an exact. It's, that's not an exaggeration. It's it's the truth. Um, Jimbo Fisher has underperformed there. Texas A&M historically has been a seven or eight win program, and that hasn't changed. Whether it was from Dennis Francione to uh, Kevin Sumlin to whoever, that's who they are, and that's who they'll continue to be, no matter how much money they put into Texas A&M. Yeah, All right, and Texas A&M wants to. Uh, you know, they want to own the Houston area in recruiting. And the funny thing is the team that actually owns the Houston area in recruiting is LSU now. Right. And that's become LSU West. And it's, um, yeah, they, they're in a lot of trouble, I think. Yeah. All right. I've had enough fun on uh, ripping Texas yeah. A&M. We'll move on. Number 18, Oklahoma taking on Iowa State. The Sooners are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Both these teams have bad losses already in 2020. OU losing at home to K-State which was just unexcusable to be up by 21 points like they were. Iowa State, of course, week one, losing to Louisiana Lafayette uh, in the fashion they did, getting stomped at home. OU's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll take the Sooners in the points. I don't expect Spencer Rattler to go out there and throw three interceptions again. Um, you know, look, OU is going to polish up some things. They're going to be okay. Uh, Lincoln Riley, much like his predecessor Bob Stoops, is very good off of coming off a loss. He's never lost a game after a loss, and Bob Stoops never did in his entire career either. This is, you know, OU, one of the things they pump up over there is DNA. This is one of the, their things in their DNA. They're very good coming off a loss. I think Oklahoma's going to make the statement, take care of business, and win this game probably by 10 or more points and uh, cover that 6.5. What say you, Bo? I 100% agree with you. Um I think that OU is just going to come out and just murder this team. I don't think it's going to be close. Um, Now, I watched the OU-K-State game. I watched the first half of it. And like most people, I thought, OU has this thing in the bag. I'll switch over to the LSU game now. And when I heard they lost the game, I was like, I was dumbfounded uh, because I thought they were playing so well. I didn't think K-State was that good, uh, which I still don't think they're very good. Every year we talk about Iowa State is this surprise team in the Big 12. People will pick them to win the Big 12, and they've never done it. They're not going to. They don't have the horses. And just like you were saying, Lincoln Riley is not going to lose this game, even at Iowa State, a week after 
the big loss at home to K-State. Plus, OU, frankly, has to run the table. If they have any hope get into a playoff, they're going to have to run the table, and they're going to have to beat Texas in a big way. So they're going to have to have statements every week going forward. This is the first one for them. Yeah, and they're going to have to have you know statements. They're going to have to play well just to still stay alive in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma State are going to be no slouches at this point uh, based on what uh, KU did falling to K-State like they did last week. I like OU to win and cover, but uh, they, they really need a strong showing, that's for sure. TCU taking on Texas. TCU lost to Iowa State in a close game at home last week. Max Dugan uh, got the start at quarterback, and he was dealing with some heart issues of sorts, but he still gave it a go, and it was a very tight bowl game. Texas uh, won in a shootout last week against uh, Texas Tech, a game that they had no business winning, really, in overtime. They were down two scores with three minutes to go, still came back and found a way to win. Bo, what do you think about this matchup between uh, UT and TCU there in Austin? Yes, I glanced at this game a little bit last week, too, and Texas OU and LSU all fell in the same trap last week. The trap of we can't block and we can't tackle. They all especially couldn't tackle. Texas couldn't tackle – they couldn't tackle a child out there last week. And how they how they lost that – how they won that game surprises me, getting into overtime like that. And people are going to score points on Texas every week. Now, they've got a great quarterback. I like Sam Ellinger a lot. And he's going to keep them in games they shouldn't be kept in. Maybe when they play OU, if they get to a bowl game, if they have bowl games. Um, but – their defense is not very good. They can't tackle anybody. If you can't stop anybody, how are you a 13-point favorite? Right. I would say TCU and 13 points because both teams are going to score a lot of points. And just to me, I think Texas will win the game. Like they'll win the game by six, eight, maybe even ten. But they're not 13 points better than anybody just because their defense is sorry. Right. Yeah, Texas favored by 13, way too many points. Bo, I don't even need to say anything because I agree with you 110%. Texas wins this game, but it's not by 13. Uh, I'll go with TCU to cover as the underdog here. Last college game, number 25, Memphis taking on SMU. Memphis is a three-point favorite. And if you recall, Memphis was one of the first teams to play this college football season as uh, they opened up against Arkansas State. And uh, I think looking back, we, we didn't realize how good of a game that actually was between those two teams. It was a pretty decent matchup, especially considering the uh, circumstances here. But uh, Memphis has a, an ability to put up a lot of points. We know SMU does as well. Uh, Memphis a three-point favorite. This one in uh, Dallas, a road game for the Tigers. Uh, Bo, what are you thinking here? Memphis favored by three. Should be a... A, a good game. Sneaky good matchup here. Yeah, it is a sneaky good matchup. Uh, this was the hardest game for me to look at here um, of the five games. This was my hard one. Um, I did a, little re- did a little looking into both teams. SMU scores a lot of points. Memphis still has a hangover from the COVID stuff. They've got a few players out. They won't say how many. They won't say who. They won't live out, get out a depth chart. Um, so, SMU doesn't exactly know who's going to be on the field, but I think that hurts Memphis more than it helps, more than it hurts SMU not knowing. Um, we just don't know who's going to be on the field in a lot of positions for Memphis. With that, I'm going to take SMU plus the three. 
I think this is really high scoring. I really don't have a great feel for it, but uh, if I had to just pick one, that's where I kind of where I'm at on this. It's a kind of a coin flip. I'm going to take SMU and three, Ooh. thinking that the COVID stuff and the players who are out is going to be a little too much for Memphis. Okay. Um, you know, with the COVID stuff, I would have been more concerned if this team wouldn't have played week zero. They played so early on and had so many more practices in than everybody else. Uh, I think that if anybody can get through this, it's Memphis. I liked what I saw against Arkansas State. That team was able to put up a lot of points. They get a good offense. I'll take Memphis to uh, take care of business as a three-point favorite against SMU. Let's move on to the National Football League. The Patriots taking on the Chiefs on a Sunday afternoon. The Chiefs are an eight-point favorite, and the Patriots look like probably the biggest surprise of anybody this year. Not only did Tom Brady move on, but they had, what was it, seven or eight guys opt out of the 2020 season, and yet here they are. Bill Belichick still found a way for this team to play at a high level. They they put a smacking on the Raiders last week and then went toe-to-toe with Seattle on the road, was one play away from winning that game. Week one, they looked just fine against Miami here. The Patriots are just fine. The Chiefs, meanwhile, this uh, last game that they played on Sunday Night Football uh, was just an outstanding showing from the Chiefs, and they probably should have won by more. Uh, Ultimately, I like the Chiefs in this game, but I think the Patriots could give them some fits. I think this is a type of deal where it may be close for three, three and a half quarters, but ultimately the Chiefs pull away and – ultimately are too much. I like the Chiefs to win and cover, but I'm thinking this is about a 10-point win, Bo. I don't feel confident in taking the Chiefs as an 8-point favorite here, though. I think they'll win just fine, but 8, that line is uh, set pretty good by the folks out, out west. Okay, so the line scares me. Um, I have a couple things that you brought up, a couple pieces there. That I, I, I think Belichick's a great thing you got to talk about. So I was thinking about this as I was thinking about the game, and I thought, okay, Tom Brady – uh, is gone. Gronkowski's gone. Now he's back in Tampa. Um, but if you think about the Patriots outside of Brady, who are the players who have been there the whole way through the Belichick process? He's always moved on. You know, the, the argument's always been that Belichick moved on a year early on guys to get maximum value for them over the years. So that's where the opt-out stuff, I think, for him He's just going to find somebody who's the right fit for him and for their team. Um, what scares me about the Chiefs, now I watched the Monday night game, and the Chiefs, I think you're dead on. The Chiefs outplayed the Ravens. They outplayed them by 25 points. The Ravens had no answer. A couple of turnovers in the game kind of half-assed got them back in the game, but they couldn't close in the fourth quarter to get it done. The Ravens, that is. I'm a little worried about the Chiefs' defense. Um, I don't mean this in a way of losing games. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. I think they're going to win this game. What I see happening is the Chiefs getting up 14, 17, something like that, and you see a couple of late scores that get the Patriots back into the game under 10, and maybe down to six or seven at the end of the game. 
And that's why I'm taking the Patriots plus the points in this game. Okay. Totally has nothing to do with what I think the Chiefs are as a team. I think it's just going to be a let up late in the game when they've got a bigger win. They're going to be up 10 or 12 or 13. I can see maybe up 17. But I can see Belichick pulling something off. You mentioned about the Brady thing, about he's gone and you never saw what was happening. I actually know somebody who, who predicted that Cam Newton would win NFL MVP. <laughs> My 18-year-old son, almost shot him out, P-Money, said Cam Newton is going to win the MVP. This is the same kid who last year in the college, college season told me after the LSU-Texas game that Joe Burrow was going to win the Heisman. Okay. Hmm. Now, I don't think Cam Newton is going to win the MVP, but I think he's going to be in the race. He's going to be in the race because the Patriots find a way to keep games close that they shouldn't win. Maybe Give P. The Patriots and the points. Maybe P. Money's on to something. Uh, we'll check back on that, especially if uh, the uh, Patriots pull this off, uh, if they can cover and possibly hang there with the Chiefs. I've been very impressed, no question about it. Cam Newton has surpassed expectations at this point. The main thing now is just a matter of if he can stay healthy or not. Bills taking on the Raiders. The Bills are a three-point favorite against uh, Las Vegas. I got to tell you what, I was so impressed with what the Bills did last week uh, in their performance uh, against the Rams. They, they were up 28-3, to let that lead slip away, and then just came back. And, Bo, one of the things I love about what this Bills team did last week in the future of their franchise going forward is that they have now transitioned from they're no longer winning in spite of Josh Allen. They're winning games because of Josh Allen. That is going to be the difference in this team of going from a pretender to a contender. I like them to take care of business against the uh, the Raiders on the road. What say you? Okay, this is a tough one for me. Um, I, I think both these teams are a little – I don't know how I feel about both these teams yet. I want to buy in on Josh Allen. I do. I haven't yet. I might hear. Um, I'm a little worried about them not putting a team away last week. And, uh, yeah, they won the game, but it just it, – it didn't quite play well in the last half, the second half of that game, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, Raiders score points. The Raiders score points. Uh, the game's at home. I think the biggest thing to see here is going to be the Bills' defense – Tredavious White is going to match up with Waller. Um, and when they see that, how that matchup's going to go, you're going to have the, the corner on the tight end there. The winner of that matchup, to me, is kind of the difference in the game. I like what the Raiders are going to do with Waller. They move him around quite a bit. He's a weapon. Uh, They've got a run game with Jacobs. I'm going to take the Raiders plus the three. Oh, Okay. Um, I've liked what I've seen from the Raiders too. I think uh, you know John Gruden has surpassed expectations so far to this point to uh, start the season and uh, taking you know being at home and everything too. That's not a bad pick either way. I think here, Browns taking on the Cowboys. The Browns are two and one after that awful performance against the Ravens. They've won two straights, and uh, the Cowboys find themselves uh, still trying to figure out <laughs> where who they are at a one and two this year. Bo, I do not feel confident picking this game one way or the other here. I feel like it's 
It's a playing Russian roulette, uh, trying to pick this game. Dallas is a four and a half point favorite. I'm not confident in either one of these teams. Dallas, I think, is better than in Cleveland, but I don't know if they're four and a half points better. Well, I don't know they are either. Um, but what I I just have zero confidence in the Browns. Um, the game they look good in, they really didn't play well in. That was the, the Bengals game. Uh, the Bengals are a horrible football team outside of a really young, awesome <laughs> quarterback. They totally, as a franchise, don't deserve. Um, I'm taking the Cowboys. I feel pretty good about this pick, actually. I think the Cowboys, they may not turn it completely around, but I think nine wins wins the East. But I think this, though, I think that division is just horrible. Right. And I think the Cowboys are going to win the East. They're going to win it with a nine and seven or ten and six record. This is the kind of game they need to have. And I, I think I'm taking the Cowboys minus the four and a half. Okay, I'll take the Cowboys here. I don't say it confidently, but I'll go ahead and take the Cowboys. And this is probably my first mistake in trusting the Cowboys. But uh, Russian Roulette going to kill me one way or the other here. So I guess uh, we'll 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 die with Big D. Uh, the Colts sticking on the Bears. The Colts are a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Chicago. Bo, last week we saw Nick Foles come in and save the day. Chicago's 3-0. and The Colts have won back-to-back games after letting that one slip away week one against the Jags here. This is another one I don't feel confident at all picking either one of these teams uh, at, at this point. All right, so I'm totally in different boat than you are on this one. Because okay. I am very confident in this game. This is the game I like the most out of my five picks. Really? Wrong team favorite. Give me the Bears to win outright at home. Nick Foles at quarterback is a much better gig for them. I didn't think Trubisky played bad for the first two weeks. I thought they were a little quick on the trigger, but Matt, but Nick Foles is a better quarterback. Here's the thing I think's big. Chuck Pagano is going to show the Colts they should have never fired him. This is a revenge game for Pagano. Players love playing for that guy, and they will go to the wall for that man this week. The other thing I've got here is the Colts, if they're going to win, are going to have to play from ahead because they can't play from behind because we know who their quarterback is. And we know that Ryan Leaf does not play well from behind. I said Ryan Leaf. I mean – <laughs> Phil Brown. Phil Brown. Might as well be Ryan Leaf. It might as well be. Uh, I wrote down Ryan Leaf. I don't know why. I think I saw something earlier today about Ryan Leaf. Um, Philip Rivers is um, he's, he sucks on the high. He's he's one of those guys that gets you right back into a game, but can never finish. Uh, the Chargers better get ahead in this game. And I love the Chargers defense. I like the Bears. I like the Bears in this game. I think they're going to win it outright. I have a couple of points, but uh, yeah, give me the Bears. Nick Foles might be the greatest backup quarterback in NFL history. Um, that's not a stretch. Uh, I, I think that Nick Foles, take, adding him to what looks like a very good Bears team around him, they just need a quarterback. Um, I don't trust Phillip Rivers at all. Um, I, I guess I'll go with the Bears here as a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Um, like I said, I could see this going either way, but – I guess I'll go ahead and take uh, the points there for the Bears uh, as the underdog there. Last game, yeah, I Chargers. Think line, I think the lad, the line has more to do with the Bears losing their running back than anything else. Yeah, so, uh, Coleman. That, yeah, 
and I like to say that a running back in the NFL is really the most replaceable position in the league. I mean, unless you've got that top guy, unless right. you've got a, a McCaffrey, a Kamara, a sure. Saquon Barkley, there's four or five of them. Well, they, they still have uh, David Montgomery. Uh, they're, they're going to be fine uh, as far as that goes, that running back spot. Last game, Chargers taking on the Bucks. Bucks are a seven-point favorite uh, at home. Tom Brady had a really good showing last week uh, in their win. The uh, Chargers, man, uh, after playing so well against the Chiefs, uh, disappointed in their performance against the uh, Panthers. Tampa Bay, a seven-point favorite at home. Bull, who are you going with in this one? I'm taking the Bucks. Uh, I'm not necessarily a believer, um, but I saw a couple of things. I watched their game last week. saw a couple of things I liked. Um, they put a few of New England's plays in. They've got a few of the New England get the ball to Gronk. Get, they're going to use O.J. Howard a little more than, than Gronk, I think. Um, they're going to put a little more of that offense in. You're going to see them throw to the tight ends in order to get Mike Evans open down the field. Um, Brady looks better, but if you notice, he doesn't have full-on Drew Brees disease, but he's only a couple steps behind him when it comes to the deep ball. Uh, the couple touchdowns that Evans had, he had the one at the goal line that was a little wide receiver screen. They had to push him two yards to get him in. Um, so I don't think they're going to have a deep threat that Mike Evans actually is. Um, Tom Brady's not not Tom Brady. He has been. And I still think he's a little washed from the deep threat with his arm. But as long as they keep him upright, I look for them to throw the balls to the tight ends. A big game from O.J. Howard, if they keep Brady upright. Um, that would be my pick there. I'm taking the Bucks minus the seven. Okay. All right. Well, I will uh, go with the Bucks there as well. Um, I've, I've liked what I've seen from them uh, since that loss to the Saints. I think they'll take care of business. The uh, Chargers had a nice one-hit wonder there, and they're almost win against the Chiefs, but I don't think they're going to do much beyond that the uh, rest of the way. There you have it. Those are our picks. Uh You've heard it from uh, Brian O'Connor and myself. Uh, here's what TJ ended up picking this week. He went with Georgia, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Texas, Memphis, the Chiefs. Uh, another underdog, he took the Raiders. And uh, and then, of course, he took the uh, Cowboys, Bears, and his uh, Buccaneers were the picks that uh, TJ went with. Thomas Bridges is uh, back here with us now. Tom, uh, go ahead and run through real quick. What were the teams uh, you went with this week? So we will go ahead and run through these for your listening pleasure. So you know, what's great about this the whole time is that, that we're not all on the same page. <clears throat> and the hardest game was the first one listed, and, and I even even picked it on Google Sheets, but I'm going to go ahead and pick it now. Um, we went with Auburn last week. The winners went with Auburn last week. But this week, I will go with Georgia by six and a half. I think they can win by a touchdown. A lot of people had said that Georgia's not once what it was, even the last two seasons. I think they can still win by seven at home. Uh, that said, I will take the Bulldogs. I will also take Alabama. A&M wasn't what they what I thought they could have been. So, I mean, if Bama has to win by 17, that's quite a few points, but I can't necessarily just go ahead and pick a bet against Alabama immediately. 
Um, as far as OU and Iowa State, OU is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, it looks like. I will go ahead and take OU. Um, I'm not confident in this game because Iowa State has given them a game the last, I believe, two years. Or even, you know, you go back three. Three years ago from this game, um, Iowa State upsets OU in Norman. Um, and then the next year, maybe not so much. But then even last year was a two-point conversion away. I think OU bounces back. I don't think it's much more than seven, but I will say it is seven. And I will pick the Sooners here. Uh, Texas versus TCU. Texas did not look very good against Texas Tech. Um, and, and Texas Tech teched. And that's the reason why Texas is not one and one. But that being said, Dugan did look good. Dugan did look good in the second half when they started against Iowa State. I don't think that's going to be enough. I will take Texas. Um, if it was, if it was fourteen, uh, would not. But I do think Texas can win by two touchdowns. Um, I think they can get that. Next game, Memphis. SMU, I like to see Memphis go ahead and win this game. Three points is not a whole lot. Um, if they win by three, I will, uh, you know, I'll accept it um, and and take the loss there. But I do think Memphis can pull that off by three. Patriots Chiefs, we'll go to the NFL. Patriots Chiefs, I picked the Ravens um, last week. Was very disappointed. I, I wouldn't say disappointed, but. Uh, you know, there were the Ravens had their chances. They did have their chances, and they just threw them to the wind. Winners don't um, bet against the Chiefs. Right. Uh, I, I mean, for the Patriots, the Patriots have looked very well. I mean, they've looked very good with Cam Newton. Um, but at home, I'm going to just go ahead and take the Chiefs, I think. Looks like Brian. Brian, you've taken the Patriots. Derek Harris has taken the Chiefs. Um Jones and TJ have also taken the Chiefs. I'm on the better half of this. Um, I, I think this is the biggest toss-up, honestly, here, as far as covering points. Um, Bills Raiders, I did not think Bills should have won that game against the Rams. Um, I mean, non-Rams fans will say the Rams have benefited from two or three pass interference calls towards the end of the game, one being the Saints in the NFC Championship and another this season against the Cowboys. I still think that call is very controversial. The Rams could be 3-0. The Bills could be 2-1. I don't think the Raiders change anything as far as that goes. Um, I do think the Bills win. Um, it, it, the beneficial thing for me as a Rams fan is it did show that the Rams can come back from a lead uh, and and be down and, and then end up coming back and have a chance to win. So that was, I mean, you you learn lessons from these losses. But uh, Browns Cowboys, I'm not a believer in the Browns. Same way O'Connor's not. Um, at, at this point, I have to take I have to take Dallas. I mean, there's a, there's a very good argument that Dallas could be owned three. Uh, arguably they should be, um, but I don't think they lose to the Browns here. They are at home. 
Uh, Baker comes off a game that wasn't as bad as the previous two. So um, I think that line at four and a half is uh, 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 that's that's understandable for both teams. So um, I do think Dallas wins by at least a touchdown. Um, and I will take the Cowboys, unfortunately, there. Uh, the Colts have been very surprising um, after their debacle against the Jaguars. Uh, I mean, they've been pretty impressive. Um, I, I know some of you will take the Bears, but I think Phillip Rivers can get it done. I'm not a believer in Trubisky. I think this is where the Bears' luck runs out. Well, Foles is, is starting. I'm sorry? Foles is starting. Trubisky's benched. I mean, Foles, Trubisky, it's still the Bears. Um, regardless, I mean, put Foles in there for sure. Um, probably should have been starting at the beginning of the season anyway. I still think the Col- Colts pulled this off. Um, I think this is finally where the Bears shit the bed. Um, and, and rightfully show. I mean, they've kind of sort of shit the bed before. But this is where their this is where the luck runs out. Um, I, I think the Colts can win this by two and a half. That's at this point, that's pretty much a toss-up game. Chargers, Bucks. Uh, I, I still think the Bucks can pull this off. I don't think they can pull it off by more than a touchdown. If this is six and a half, I take the Bucks. Um, I, I don't think they win by more than a touchdown. So, and, and this is. This is one of the hardest games that I'll take all week, um, but I will take the Chargers. They were not impressive last this past week. They were impressive the past week before against the Chiefs um, and, and did not show out the next week. I don't know if that was kind of a Chiefs hangover or what, um, but I don't think they lose by more than a touchdown. All right, so there you have it. That is uh, our pick segment. For this week, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. And uh, we'll see what happens next week as uh, far as that goes. And the only way that you can find out is if you're right back here next week to see our results and uh, where things go from here. Gentlemen, thanks uh, as always. And uh, we will do this again next week. Uh, Bo, appreciate the time. And uh, where can people find out more again about uh, O'Connor Advisory Group? You can check us out on Facebook at O'Connor Advisory Group. It's O-C-O-N-N-O-R Advisory Group um, on Facebook. And uh, you can give us a call, 785-856-0720. Be patient. Our new website will be up in about two weeks. We're excited. It's coming. There you have it, the O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em. Follow our picks all season long. Big thanks to Brian O'Connor for joining us. Tyler Jones back here with you now. A couple more things before we wrap up today. And uh, I want to talk about the NBA Finals. Tipped off last night, game number one between the Lakers and the Heat in the bubble finals. Uh, They did a little changes with the court design. You saw former President Obama as a virtual fan and such. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, these finals got started with the Lakers in the heat. And one of the things that I told you on Monday's show when looking ahead to these NBA finals is that for the Los Angeles Lakers, for them to, to win this, what they really need, and really for the future of their franchise, is they need Anthony Davis to be able to have that ability to take over and be that number one option and be the best player on the floor. That's the next thing that they needed to see from him because 
Talent-wise, I mean, it's very clear. This is not a diss on LeBron James at all. But at this point in his career, LeBron James is not the best player on his own team anymore. Uh, Anthony Davis is the better player. But the problem that we were seeing within the last few weeks was the consistency from Anthony Davis. Some nights he would just go off and be unbelievable. And then other nights, you know, he was on a milk carton. You'd have to – that'd be the only way that you could find him, you know, because he was missing. Um, but an impressive game one. It was very clear that Anthony Davis was the best player on the floor with 34 points, nine rebounds, and five assists. And you still had quite the contribution from LeBron James with 25 points, 13 rebounds, and nine assists himself. And that's exactly what the Lakers need. What they needed to do was uh, was just that. And then the other thing, too, that the Lakers did well was defensively. We know this Miami Heat team loves to shoot three-pointers uh, with all those options that they have from Jimmy Butler to Dragic to Duncan Robinson to Tyler Hero, Iguodala. I mean, they got a lot of scorers on that Miami Heat team and they do really well in the second and the third quarter of games is really when they start to kick it in gear. And the Lakers played lockdown defense. It showed up, holding the Heat to just 20 points in the second quarter, 19 in the third quarter, while scoring 34 and 28 on their own end. Um, the Lakers took care of business. Now, I know that a lot of people are saying that this is going to be an easy series for the Lakers, that they're the much better team, that they'll run away with this. I don't see that being the case here. I think you have a very competitive series between these two. I would expect the Heat probably to win game two, even it up. In this series, I think, probably goes six, maybe even seven games. I like the Lakers over the Heat, but I don't say that with confidence. The Heat are playing as if they have nothing to lose. That's the difference between the position of where the Heat are at compared to the Lakers is the Lakers were building for this all season long to be in this position. Uh, you know, they were, you know, putting themselves as the, you know, team to beat the team of destiny of some sorts, that this was their rightful place that they wanted to be all season long. The heat weren't even favored in the first round against the Indiana Pacers. And they got that done. And then the next round, they take down the Bucks in a series that they had complete control of that, uh, you know, they may not have been the more talented team, but they outplayed them and they were better coached and they, you know, stood up to the task of that Bucks team. And so now you, you almost have to take a similar approach to what you did in that Bucks series where you know that the talent level is not what it is of the other opponent, but if you can get those three-point shots going and let it fly like that, and then play some good defense, then the Heat still certainly have a chance uh, to win this NBA championship at this point in time. And, you know, I got to say, I'm happy for Jimmy Butler. This is a guy, I think Jimmy's misunderstood. Um, I know that Jimmy's had some problems early on in his career where the way that he was judged in Chicago and then Philadelphia. Um, but Jimmy's a heck of a ball player, and he could be a good teammate. Um, he just went through some, some struggles there. Didn't really mesh well with uh, Tom Thibodeau there in Chicago and, and that bunch. And then you go to Philly and some of the uh, you know the players and such in that situation. Now he's doing his own thing. He's in control. He picked out where he wanted to be. He's got this young core around him. They're learning to play with Jimmy. 
The future's bright there in Miami. Uh, I like the Lakers to win this series, but the Heat aren't going away. That core, uh, Tyler Hero, he was complaining about uh, you know being the 13th pick and shouting all shouting out all the people that were picked ahead of him and such. Tyler Hero is uh, got a lot of potential, and to think that he's doing this in just year one, watch out. I mean, Dragic is one of the most underrated players in the league. Duncan Robinson has come alive. They're going to be good for a long time. And so I think you play this with reckless abandon. You just go out there and see what happens, like you have this entire playoffs. If it works out, great. If not, then uh, you died trying of sorts. And so that's the two things. Uh, the Lakers have to continue to make uh, Anthony Davis their lead option and, and go from there. The Heat just play like they've been doing the last few weeks. Um, and we'll see what happens as far as that goes. But a fun series. Lakers get game one, but uh, I don't expect this to be a uh, an easy road for the Lakers. This is going to be tough the rest of the way. Before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fuckery story of the week this week. And uh, i got to talk about America's favorite reality TV couple. It's not Kim and Kanye. And, and I say favorite couple, favorite ex-couple. Um, I was very heartbroken, the uh, news of... Kristen Cavallari and Jay Cutler and their split back in March. Um, if you recall, these two did that very Cavallari reality show together, which was just fantastic television uh, each week with those two and and uh, their friends. And, and uh, Jay was clearly the star of that show. The show was centered around Kristen, but Jay made that show incredible uh, with his personality and his... Uh, his humor, the way that he puts himself out there, uh, that dry sense of humor that he has. I mean, it was it was great television, uh, and, and Jay made that happen. Um, if Kristen would have been by herself, the show wouldn't have been nearly as good, and I don't think it would have lasted. Well, then, you know, with that final season of the show, there was the rumors of Jay having an affair with Kristen's best friend and that getting blown up and getting out of proportion and all that. And then uh, they take a trip to Mexico together. And Kristen and Jay get stuck there because of the quarantine such. They were there for three weeks. And ultimately, that extra time together leads to their divorce. Um, Look, you know, people's personal lives is their business. You know, they can figure that out and such. Um, You know, I'm not going to say that their divorce wasn't justified one way or the other. That's their business for them to handle. But we continue to be sad because this this it felt like uh, was something that we all enjoyed. You know, I, I, I loved this couple together. It was must-see TV every week with, uh, with these two. And now the hits keep on coming. Uh, we, we heard, you know, back in, in April that – Kristen said that Jay was lazy and that she didn't want to be around him uh, because of that. I mean, this guy just played how many years in the league and took all those hits and made all that money and just wanted to relax a little bit, but apparently that wasn't good enough uh, for her. And she starts this business with all the money that he brought in. Um, I mean, it, it was just ridiculous of the stuff that we heard after the divorce proceedings. And, and now, now that they've moved on, I think the winner of this divorce is got to be Jay Cutler at this point. Uh, Jay is still doing his thing. He's still universally loved. 
Nobody is going after Jay Cutler for what happened after this. Uh, everybody is pointing the blame to to Kristen and how this went down. And I guess that we're not going to see this show continue with him being divorced uh, because they don't want the divorce to play out over television. And it got me thinking of uh, our good friend Tribble Reese. And maybe we can bring Tribble on sometime in the next couple weeks. But if you don't know Tribble, Tribble uh, has been a friend of the show and contributor for quite some time over the years. He was a quarterback at Clemson, and he was a reality star on on, uh, Sweet Home Alabama on CMT. He also did a Bravo show of sorts, too. And uh, Triple told me after going on that dating show on CMT, he said, remember, Tyler, you can never find love on TV. That it's all fake, it's all fluff. And in this case, what's so fascinating is they thought they had love before they were on TV. And then they do this reality show and things fall apart after that. So maybe I have a new theory, and I'd be curious what Tribble thinks about this. Maybe you can't find love on TV, but you can also lose love on TV as well. Something to think about. Uh, as far as that goes. But I hate to see this happen. Maybe we get another reality show with Jay Cutler of some sorts. I think he would be fantastic if uh, he was on uh, an NFL broadcast of some sorts, if he did some color commentary, if he was a studio analyst. I know that's been talked about. Uh, he would be great, I think, if uh, Jay Cutler got that opportunity. Kristen, I don't know what's next for her. I know she's got this business going on and such, uh, but I would bet my money on that America is Team J, it seems like, for the most part, with uh, this breakup as far as they go. Uh, but they're both going to be fine, I think. Very good-looking people. Uh, you know, Kristen was uh, posting some pics on uh, Instagram that you definitely should check out if you haven't looked at already. You know, Jay's got his, his chickens and such. They're going to be fine. So I just feel for us as Americans – not only that their marriage broke up, but we lost a good television show in the process. Uh, I know it's been several months now, but we're still going through this, and I guess now Kristen's dropping Cutler from her name. No one even referred to her as Kristen Cutler. Uh, it's always been Cavallari, you know, very Cavallari. So with that being said, that does it for today's show, and uh, we will see you all back here on Monday for the postgame report. As always, like, subscribe, and uh, give us a five-star review. We'd love to hear from you there. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at TJ Media Group, and uh, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Jones underscore report. Big thanks to Brian O'Connor and Thomas Bridges, as well as a John Holt for stopping by, and you, the listener, for hanging out with us as well. For our entire crew up, Tyler Jones sings so long. We will see you on Monday.